0: And we're live. <laughs> so pumped. We have our first episode with Zach Marlowe. What's up, Zach?
1: Yeah. It's so good to be here. Oh my goodness. I'm here with Frank Yang. I'm here with and we're
0: someone. back with Frank Yang. Yes. I- I'm doing this thing
1: that I do a lot now, which is talk to strangers on the internet publicly.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I, I never do that. I, I do sometimes, though. I, I used to never do that. I used to have this fear of webcams. I used to be afraid of a ton of people at webcam, <laughs> but I'm afraid if I forget to turn it off. And then when I masturbate, do porn, people will see it. And then it will be like millions of eyes. <laughs> of people like being on webcams with me just speaking through the little people. Frank, remember, Thanks. we're
0: trying to make this episode relatable for people with compassion and collectible <laughs> awakening. Yeah, family friendly. We're trying yeah, to connect. I think broadest.
1: Swath of humanity possible. We've got to facilitate this awakening because it doesn't matter if if, it doesn't matter if you got it figured out or I've got it figured out or Atlas has it. Atlas has it figured out. We all got to get it figured out, or or it doesn't mean anything. Ain't shit.
2: Because of compassion, after after realization, I'm not scared of webcam anymore.
1: So that's all related.
2: After realization, I'm not scared of webcams anymore. I talk to strangers now on webcams, but not. Do you have
1: You feel any fear?
2: Uh, before well, I was fearful of webcams and now <laughs> I'm not. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't really, I don't really feel fear anymore. I, I, maybe I do. I mean, I, I, I notice when other people around me feel or are, are afraid of things, they oh, yeah. don't generally bother me. I, I'll,
0: I'll, um, I'll go ahead and just, I'll go ahead and just say that, um, <clears throat> just in a very simple way for people that are watching what we what we mean um, in a very general sense by awakening is sort of realizing the unity of all existence um and so realizing our oneness and realizing the love for each other because we are that that same universe um sort of exploring and and then now what we we do as we sort of realize that is now we figure out how can we um weave Uh, that into the mainstream society that doesn't necessarily feel oneness and doesn't necessarily feel harmony. And they maybe feel a little bit, you know, very stressed out or very depressed or very anxious, or they feel like they're locked up in their nine to five job that they can't escape. And so how can we um, bring love and compassion and unity into this is what was going to be something like one of the big themes that we talk about on the, the show into the mainstream.
1: Well, I, I was thinking about it on the way over here on the train. And, um, well, first of all, the train stopped on the tracks and I could see everybody around me was very impatient and was antsy and was afraid or was angry or was, you know, uh, like a friend, a friend of mine was with me and he was like, Oh, when is the train going to come? When is the train going to come? And it was just like, you gotta chill. You gotta just relax because, you know time is a is a subjective thing you know it it, it doesn't really exist in a linear way it, and if you stare into the, each moment and you're like okay how much longer how much longer how much longer it's literally going to expand it's going to be it's going to be longer than it otherwise would be if you just take that time and forget it or do something else so it's like if you're stuck in traffic you know uh, keeping these practical keeping thing keeping keeping this tethered to the moment i mean because these are the million moments of fear and anxiety and dread, not just the moment where the sword is at your throat and you're like, okay, now I need to be cool and calm and collected. It's like these many, many, many moments through the day that it's like, we're stuck in traffic and you're like, okay, I'm delayed. Or you have a layover at the airport. And it's like, okay, I have to kill an hour. You can spend that hour agonizing over how late you are or how you're gonna this is gonna increase the stress in your life or you can accept, oh, okay, I have an hour. How, what I choose to do with this time, I can take a breath, disconnect from this moment, disconnect from this fear, this reaction, and, you know, find some peace, find a center or do whatever I want, or just be, just enjoy myself. And I I could never do that as a kid. I could never do that for most of my life. I couldn't just be. And I think that's a core problem that we experience today that so many people through COVID-19, just their life went on hold and they were stuck in a room for, you know, six months or a year. And that was like the end of the world. That was the most traumatic thing that they've ever experienced When, if you just know how to be with your thoughts, I mean, it can be a real blessing just to, just to be, just to not have to, you know, run around in this wheel or treadmill. Some of us here like the treadmill.
2: Wait, (laughs) I was going to mention treadmills. (laughs) What about him? When I was younger, I used to just sprint on the treadmill to try to be the fastest man in the world. I thought I was the fastest man in the world because I could turn the treadmill all the way up. And I'll sprint to watch, I'll I'll watch TV, so sprinters sprint, and I'll try to master their um the speed of their 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 their, their, the cycling of their legs. But then I realized speed is actually the result of the length and the speed, not just the speed. So I was doing like this, but when I should be in like this, then I realized I couldn't be a sprinter,
0: then I started to meditate.
1: I think there's a couple more steps in the Frank Yang story there, but I
0: I I love the relatability of the example that Marlo just gave because everyone basically has moments in every day of their life where they can tell the difference between where they have an opportunity to like take a breath and sort of regain some of their sovereignty and will and choice around their happiness and to not suffer to not be anxious, to not be depressed. And that those were great examples. You're on the train, the train is delayed anyway. You may as well not perpetually focus yourself on the delayed train and suffer and be anxious, but instead liberate yourself from that, be more free, and then enjoy the nature, the clouds, or if you want to read an email and get through something or whatever you're doing, but not be ruminating on, on that specific thing.
1: Well, oh, it's like as every, every single uh, second of our lives have been atomized and chopped up into these like increasingly small little moments. That each one of those moments, each second of our lives, as if we embody stress and pain and misery and suffering, becomes a prison. Every and it's it's prison to prison to prison to prison to prison. So I looked I looked up as the uh, as the uh, as I I had that ex- exchange with my friend and I see a girl on the train and she's reading A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and I was like she gets it. <laughs>
0: that's a really important point is don't make your life prison to prison to prison like increase your amount of possibilities uh increase your choice architecture as much as possible every single moment so you're not just locked into just one excessive anxious rumination uh so that there's more possibilities for you
2: yeah, even when you go into the matrix or go into the prison, you still be perceived as <laughs> uh, as infinite because uh, nirvana is samsara. <laughs> it's
0: the, the, the non-dual. closing the loop right there. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, for the person <laughs> in the train, even though I'm anxious and suffering, this is still non-dual. This is still oh, infinite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit too
2: soon to tell them that.
1: So, when it's true,
2: though, knows. I think, I think ah! talking about... It,
1: somebody said a quote to me the other day that was like (laughs) matrix of reality is the punchline i think the whole thing is very funny it's really very funny and strange joke you gotta zip out yourself and look at that we're like these meat creatures trapped in this crazy world of minutes and moments and trains that, you know, it's just very weird and none of it makes sense until like a panda sitting on a tree. They're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Chill out. But on the the subject of like explaining, you know, the non-dual to the stressed person on the subway, I heard a, a great quote the other day. it was like uh, explaining philosophy to somebody with a, it's cruel to explain philosophy to someone who is, has an empty stomach. So it's like a lot go. of people and I think cool,
0: that
1: cool. kind of brings me to like the, the central point of what I've wanted to talk about for a while. And you know, this episode coming up really fits perfectly um, for me because it, it burns in me and I see spiritual people. I see people who are enlightened. You know, I, I even had this conversation with a friend recently about like Eckhart Tolle, like, Oh, he doesn't get it. Blah, 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 blah. Where it's like, Talking about philosophy and awakening and all of these things to the vast majority of people in our world is an, an insult, and it's aloof, and it will never be understandable to them from the framework that they're operating from because society is designed, designed intentionally, uh, you know, latticed to keep people from being able to work their way up that sort of ladder of just basically meeting their basic needs. And this has been studied from the sociological perspective and from the physiological, you know, neurological, psychological, every perspective, people are trapped in a wheel, a hamster wheel, not a treadmill on their own choice, but a, a wheel of, of labor and servitude. And they're working 60 hours a week. I I, I talked to an Uber driver the other day, he worked a hundred hours a week. And it's like, you can't, if you're so focused on meeting your next meal, or putting food on the table, or feeding your children, or any of these things that are just pure survival. If you're in survival mode, you can't even delay gratification to think about, you know, anything beyond eating a candy bar right now.
0: It's physically impossible. So it's like it's more difficult to have metacognition when your basic needs aren't being met. But it, but in a way, it's easier because
2: suffering brings out awakening as well. So that but you have to have the knowledge of it.
1: Well, there's a difference between, there's a huge difference between starvation and fasting. Yeah. Somebody who is in the yeah. desert, who's like, I'm going to deprive myself of these nutrients to induce a state, that person is doing it intentionally, you know?
0: Whereas well, but I'll,
1: I'll, who is just has no food in their stomach and that's all they can think about, they're not going sli- to switch from, you know, hunger into enlightenment. It's just not going to happen.
2: Uh, I would say Again, the
1: uh- miracle.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like they can, because um, I think uh, suffering drives most people's process, uh, progress to awakening. Um, And also like under really stressful situations is where a lot of people have glimpses of non-duality. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a range to this thing, you know, like some that doesn't happen. And it's not like you suffer and then you become awake and It's not like that. But just having the acknowledge <laughs> of it, let's just say, like, just for a, a person who like suffers quite a lot, he has to go from his nine to five job every day. But then he read a Catoly or something like that. He had an idea of awakening that you can watch your thoughts, you can manage your thoughts. He has an idea imprinted in his mind, like incepting his mind. And then he can if you can apply that in everyday stressful uh, situations, it's actually a really good workout. It's, it's kind of like construction workers just get buffed.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, every single moment of our lives it can be a yoga. Know. Yeah. It can be yeah. practice. And I, I think for me, I, honestly, I don't really meditate. I should. <laughs> I'm slacking on my on my uh, metacognition. But I I feel like my practice, my path, is very external. It's about you know kind of instead of looking inward, it's looking outward and seeing that self in everything that seeing that every person on the train, that is you, you know, and what they're going through is what you're going through on, you know, the deepest level that we're all sort of enmeshed in Indra's net or, you know, we're all just connected on this in the simplest way. We're all in it together. And um, so I feel, I feel those people's struggles and I learn from them and I, I think I have myself learned and grown through extreme suffering but not everyday suffering. Everyday suffering is confusing and baffling. It's like when something horrible happens, when a meteor crashes into your barn and kills your whole family, you actually stop and ask why, you know? But if it's suffering on suffering on suffering, you know, endless moments stacked on moments, like needles, like a thousand needles into you every single moment of your life, you don't really have the time or the energy or the space between that to really stop and question what the hell is going on, why? People just react. So we're mostly stuck in this reactive cycle, this reactive dualism. We go from this to this, from this to this, to this to this, with no latency, with no nothing in between. And there are moments of grace, but I think that grace comes, it can come in a freak moment. It can come in a reverberation through the floor into your pineal gland or you know, just something breaking in your chakras, or you know, a kundalini awakening or something like that. But it often doesn't. And it's it's really tragic to me. You know being a person that experiences great freedom to see people suffer when they they ought they don't need to because just the joy of alice and i were talking about this on our our uh, in, in a little introductory phone call we've only talked uh, you know once or twice we've been sending each other voice messages too we're talking about the joy of being you know the joy of living purposefully the joy of the like transcendent beautiful wonderful joy of of just standing in your purpose of Literally just being, just laughing and smiling because you exist. And just I just think about all those moments that I spent, one, wasting away, you know, suffering about things that don't really matter or that will go away in a minute, you know, being impatient, you know, needing a Game Boy to get through a beautiful drive through the mountains, whatever. But it's like – or like drinking myself into oblivion or like seeking – (laughs) <laughs> Frank, Frank knows about that, or like you know, trying to bang hot people, or you know, be successful, or competitive, or win, or do any of these things that are really ultimately just fleshy pleasures that are gone in a minute, that make you feel even worse after they're gone because you're like, oh, now I need another and another and another. Whereas just finding that sense of purpose of like I'm in my I'm in my true self and I'm finding that self in other people and I'm spreading it. That's the great joy, is like to be it, but even greater is to share it.
2: Um, <clears throat> this is something I wanted to say. Oh, okay. So it's talking about compassion, we have to first uh, define compassion and how it's different from uh, empathy. Because um, in my experience, true compassion is what Osho calls a cold love. Um, so basically you can't really truly be compassionate unless you completely empty out the self. And that's why awakening and compassion go hand in hand and, and the action, whatever action that you take before uh, awakening is selfish, regardless. Um, and also in in, in, true, in in this cold love of compassion, it's not filtered through the individual body mind's emotion. So that's why it's difference between that and empathy in true compassion without the separate self, when other people suffer, you actually don't feel anything, but that also frees up more space to help them. Because when you f- the, see the universe doesn't want more suffering. If you feel the suffering that other people are feeling, you're actually creating more suffering. So that's the difference between compassion from the s- space of the non-separate self versus empathy from the space of the separate self. If you feel if you feel emotion when other people also feel that emotion, that gets in the way of you purely helping them out of the universal world of consciousness. So. so so i would say that that this this, this there's waking up oh yeah uh yeah
1: but i think Um, i think for me i don't know that's that's kind of where i i I live that's where i sit most comfortably is in that discomfortable space or uncomfortable space of you know experiencing the discomfort knowing that insights are there that lessons are there that that's where meaning lies and I, i really seek it out it's kind of a sick thing that like to seek to seek suffering in a way to seek, uh, Terence McKenna defined a shamanism as like philosophy through extreme experience, through seeking out uh, extreme experiences that will really show you like the poles of duality that will show you all the way to the end, to the point where they you see where you you've gone so far in one direction, you really see that it's all a circle and you go back in the other.
2: That's what I was talking about earlier too about how like you know suffering creates some kind of awakening, like a, it's a catalyst for awakening. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: Yeah, same oh, point do you, as I. Did, how yeah. do you feel like your suffering uh, really was the, the lubricant or the fuel that that uh, pushed you towards the extreme experiences? I mean, and you're you're a connoisseur of extreme experiences, a true shaman in that. <laughs> how do you feel like suffering more than any of those other things? That's just like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna eat a thousand calories, or I'm gonna lift five hundred pounds, or.
2: I, I think. I think suffering was never really the catalyst for me, even though it is subconsciously, maybe. But I i never wanted to eradicate suffering. I just wanted to like my fuck myself. I, I just wanted the universe to <laughs> fuck me without a comment. I, I wanted I wanted to have more do with the universe, and that's why I kept lifting weights and I kept eating all those calories. Like I just want to see what's beneath the surface. I wanted to deep to penetrate deeper and deeper, transcend to the next level on and on and on. And suffering, I guess, could be the catalyst of that, but but I, there was never a goal. For a lot of people, a lot of seekers, their goal is to eradicate suffering. Like I, I'm asking, why did you get on a spiritual path? I was suffering. But for me, it was just, I just wanted to, quote unquote, like we talked about in the first episode, I wanted to know what the, well, first I wanted to know what the fuck this Frankian thing is. And after I see through that, this Frankian thing is just a projection, just a hallucination. And what the fuck is doing hallucinating? What the fuck is reality? So that's what, that, that was always my clinical goal. And then as a byproduct, of understanding reality, or understanding direct experience, of understanding consciousness, my suffering is, uh, has been eradicated by ninety nine point nine percent. So by not focusing on suffering, I actually eradicated suffering.
1: See, I, I, it's interesting. I, I I both totally relate and and kind of differ in that. For me, it's like in finding in feeling the suffering of the world. It's like it it's not it doesn't hurt anymore. It, it it's like I know yeah. <laughs> that, a go. lesson. I know the greatest lesson in the world is contained within that and that to seek these experiences yeah. out you know to seek out the the cry of the world to to hear it and heed it and run toward it you know i know even in a you know perhaps in a selfish way in 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 terms of self realizing itself you know all of us being the self not not me you know i myself in a selfish way but the self as all things you know in terms of in, in like krishna krishna consciousness or christ consciousness the self in all things to run toward that pain of the self to realize that's me crying out that's my own soul crying out that's consciousness which is the whole gambit the whole thing in pain and it's telling me something like pain is a lesson like when you when a when you get stung a bit by a mosquito and you itch it's your body telling you uh, to slap it otherwise it'll just keep drinking your blood and that's what our pain is that's what the pain and suffering in our world is it's telling us something very very precisely it's te- it has a there's a message for us and i think when it when we make it all internalized about oh you know the kingdom of god lies within or you got to look inward i think we forget that to look inward is to look outward is to look at the people around us is and to, to look inward,
0: inward requires the basic needs being met of people which is very big it's an it's an external thing to have clean air clean water clean food Shelter, electricity, education, healthcare—those are external things that then enable you to uh, inquire in with the question, "Who am I? Um, what is reality?" And that's a really important point. It synthesizes science and spirituality. It synthesizes consciousness and physicalism, which is ultimately what we need to do and <clears throat> to actually to. Um, tie in what you guys have been talking about a little bit is that if you come from a place of like learning that you can take a breath, like one, two, three, count to three, take a breath before you react to things, that's fantastic. And that that can be really helpful. And you can go and share that with the world and help alleviate suffering that way totally. But the way that in a sense, awakening plays into this is that If you go, quote, all the way in this process of emptying out all of your conditioning and all of your separation and all of your ego, and rather than this being something that is trying to still extract validation or extract worthiness from other people, instead, this comes as just literally the sun itself, enlightenment, comes as just the sun itself radiating perpetually, onto all. And so you're not actually ever coming from a place of needing to get something from other people. So it's it's almost like the level of purity of service and the level of purity of compassion increases in proportion to how awakened you are.
1: Well, it's also, you know, the ability to which you can experience uh, truth, awakening, love, all of these things, I think, is is directly proportional to what others can. I mean, Martin Luther King said something like, "For some strange reason, you know, mm. I'm not, I'm not, me- I'm not happy until you're happy." What and what affects you affects me, and I think really that's maybe the fundamental disconnect of our entire society. And you know, you kept you use that word extraction, extraction, multiple times, and I mean, I think that's kind of the core a value system that we're trapped under which you know it's it's like it's like an addiction it's like frank can talk about this about you know meditation kind of breaking you out of an addictive mentality and an addictive narrative or an identification with uh who you think you are and i think that's really what we're trapped in in this world it's it's a corrosive and extractive belief system a narrative of who we think we are that goes all the way down to the to the deepest levels of what most people think a human being is or reality is that a human being is selfish is greedy uh that you know we're competitive that the purpose of life is to fuck other people over and get what you can and say fuck the rest and this is it's capitalism it's a system it's an economic system that is a zealous economic idolatrous uh you know, false belief system that we have implanted and spread over the entire earth and say, and have said, you know, this ultimate separateness that spreads and blankets everything, this sort of anti Christ, this nebulous thing that doesn't really exist, that we substantiate through money and through trade and through these economic systems, which are really the, the most corrosive, you know, religious doctrine in the world. You know, these forces are absolutely and directly keeping. All of us from ascending, you know, to a to a high degree. And I see this system really penetrate much deeper even into spiritual people. Spiritual people still see themselves as still see the system itself, the way that our society runs, the way that our consumer cycle is driven on endless growth and endless consumption and endless, you know, self-interest, maximizing self-interest. I see a lot of spiritual people, you know, trapped in this because it's the deepest unquestioned narrative, the deepest identification and addiction. And I think. I, I it it even gets me to the point where I have really distanced myself from the from the conscious movement in a lot of ways because it's so pervasive, this self-interest, this kind of narcissistic spirituality that is all about me, all about how I can ascend. And then, oh, these people who aren't ascending, they're sheep. They're sheep, you know, they don't understand anything, they don't know what, what's, you know, happening. They're gonna fall behind and I'm going to ascend. And it, it this is a toxicity in our spiritual movement and it needs to be addressed because we can't individually ascend, it, you know, it's self-interest in a way, self, the self-interest for all of us to get to the point where we change these systems, we change these identifications, this bad dream of humanity, of human history, and get to a point where everyone's needs are met so that the purpose of society itself, the design of society, is to work people up that ladder of meeting their needs to get them to the point where they can really figure out what the fuck is going on and ascend.
2: I think- I think enlightenment is the most selfish pursuit in existence. Uh, It's all about the self. Um, It's all about the self to the point where you, at the end, you flip yourself inside out. So it's all about the self up to the point where you realize there's absolutely no self. And then after you realize there's absolutely no self, whatever action that you do is not going to be your decision anymore. So... Some people wake up and then they don't do shit. Some people wake up, they play video games. Some people wake up, they do things for the environment. They help people wake up. They become teachers. Some people wake up and then um, they become a CEO. But after you wake up, anything that you do will be an act of compassion. That because it, it wouldn't be, it would automatically be a, an act uh, not for the self because there is no self. So after you wake up, you don't. You see, it's like we talked about earlier on the other episode, it's like you don't have agency anymore. So it's like. It's not you deciding like to do this. All, this I don't have yeah. agency.
1: I'm not free. I wake up and just do what I'm supposed to do and that's it. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, but It's not like you're not free either because it's not, it's neither free nor not free. Right. It's just, yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, so I it's really, it's free. a beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful it's thing beautiful. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to explain this to somebody the other exactly. day. It's like, she was like, Oh, the world is so crazy. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I just know, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like, well, you just accept that no matter what happens it's going to happen and and really seek to understand like okay the world is hurting and crazy and i have a role to play I, this earth evolved mm. me for a mm-hmm. purpose and a part to play in here and it didn't involve me to dis- participate in its destruction it evolved me to facilitate growth and you know sharing and you know the increase of biodiversity and not the radical reduction so it's like finding that sense of purpose why are you in this world how are you uh, participating in this you know struggle this uh, adventure of collective awakening of, of getting there together of raising us all up because currently the whole social system is dragging us all down but it's like I really feel like when I thought fa- when you find that purpose that way that when you realize that love is all there is and you've got to spread it like wildfire you've got to spread that shit like crazy or, or you just realize like that climate change is real the earth is dying and no, none of us can ascend and you as a spiritual person might think oh I'm gonna fly away I'm gonna go to the astral realm fuck you you know that's not, you know, there's not that's not
2: spirituality, that. bro. Spirituality is not about ascending <laughs> to some higher realm of consciousness. So, like I said, spirituality is realizing form and emptiness are identical, and the form part of it is compact. Well, form, you could you can you can look at it very pragmatic way, saying you know, like this object has no ex- here in existence, I can penetrate it, it's it's, it's holographic, and yeah, it's, it's only just, it's just
1: particles that are made up of quanta that are spinning around, and at the core, nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's not even quanta, it's just it's just a it's just this. It's just nothing here. Okay. But then you can also say for, this is also form. This is also something. And the, the emptiness part of it and the compassion, the, the compassion part of it and the form part of it is identical. Is that emptiness manifests itself in not just the, uh, the manifestation of objects, but also in like things like compassion. That's why... I, uh compassion is a, is an in a lot of uh, it's an emphasis in a lot of traditions. And I also think the reason why compassion is such an emphasis on a lot of traditions is because after awakening, if you don't practice compassion, uh it's not it's not a guarantee that you'll be compassionate, even though like every action you do is it won't be for the self anymore, but that still doesn't mean that you're gonna do things for other people. You do you don't know the difference?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's like you can you can have this kind of higher understanding of what's going on in the universe on this. You know, very kind of cold and detached, disconnected, particulate way where you're just sort of, pa- you know, passively observing things. But you know, we exist in different layers and levels. There are levels to who we are. As yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it, say you're a husband, a really father, good. a friend, whatever. You know, these are all conditional relations. But it's like our condition, ultimate conditional relation, is to the mm-hmm. earth, is to this planet, and to the species that we are, the, to the, to this world that we are all a part of, to the biosphere, to our ecosystem not our ego system that is, you know, this totally abstract, formless, you know, it's this anti-enlightenment to exist in this very weird, like, like it. we live in an abstraction. You know, we, 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 people, a lot of people, you know, anybody who who says spirituality isn't real or, you know, that I'm a materialist or whatever, you know, we live in this really weird world where we live in a world of abstract values. You know, we can say it's a scientific thing that, you know, economics dictates, you know, that this is the way that things have to be, but that's totally just... A nonsense tradition i mean it's not real it's not it's not based on anything real it's based on a belief system that we have projected onto the world around us and i think those people who uh maybe they have found maybe they've hit enlightenment you know maybe they've crowned the to the top of the genres and they've experienced the, tr- the essential final truth of everything but they're still acting selfishly or they're still laying around they're not in their purpose the road is not over my friend the road is is long from over and i think for me i didn't I, I i don't know i can sit at the table with frank and with atlas who i think have gone a lot further in their introspection than i have but uh in i mean I'm, I'm i'm here you know we're at the same sort of place we're walking hand in hand through this beautiful field of flowers where what's the roomy quote i oh, know the uh uh there's a field but between good and evil there's a field i'll meet you there that's a beautiful little quote but yeah we're we're here and, and Anything that I learned, I learned through feeling the feelings of someone else, not through studying my own brain. I mean, I'm obsessed with my own thoughts. And for years, I was obsessed with studying my own thoughts, and it just killed me. It just fried me. It was a feedback loop of nonsense, and that's what we are caught in collectively. And as soon as I I pointed that very very sensitive microphone that was my consciousness, my awareness, away from my own innards and pointed it at other people, it was like – Everything got so much more beautiful, and not just like nice and good. I mean, I, I, I really started to learn and grow and and tune into like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose in relation to other people, not just to myself, not just to my own bliss? And through doing that, I found my bliss, you know, which is is to is to communicate this stuff to other people, which is so beautiful to watch Frank transform and his glow up is an ultimate glow up. The Frank Yang glow up, the body, the, the mind and heart transformation that you're at this point where you just want to share this information, you know, like no other spiritual guru or, you know, you're not a guru. Like I, I met a lot of spiritual cunts, you know, as you like to call them. That's,
2: yeah, that's exactly and, what exactly I was going to mention.
1: And they're not they're not about what you, they're really not humble at all. It's they called really,
2: spiritual materialism. It's, it's, yeah, like I said earlier, it's hijacking spirituality for selfish purposes, which makes spirituality really, I think 99% of the people who are into spirituality are fall under the umbrella. I would say before you you completely transcend the self, anything, any spiritual practice do it, it is going to be in a in, in, in larger or lesser degree about the self. Um, so that makes spirituality no different from... Um, and just to after. play, just, just to,
0: and just to play on what Frank was just saying there, even though you may, because this has happened to me and many other people before, even though you may think that you're, um, that you're serving other people because you have this like external facing mentality, which is really important. Like what we're describing, this is what you've been saying. So important with meeting basic needs and stuff. But one place that I would agree with Frank, where there's like a tremendous amount of people that fall into this category right now is people that are faced outward in serving people, but are focused, even if it's subconsciously, they're focused on how their image is going to look in the social sphere for how then they get their clout and how they get more relations and how they get more um, dopamine. women, the dopamine, this type of thing. Um, Cause then they can have more of, of a, it's called the extended phenotype in Richard Dawkins's language. And so they, they work on this, on their, um their genetic success based on social clout and how they're, individuation is being portrayed in the sphere. I've seen that so much. And actually, as Frank just indicated, that so much of what people are hijacking spirituality as are falling into that similar category. And the only thing that holds, the, the only differentiating factor is not only passion for truth, but with, with that is also Um, passion for purification is passion for emptying yourself out of all of your conditioning and ego and bullshit so that you can actually serve people purely yeah (laughs) yeah and that's so you have to go inward you have to continuously go inward in order for what you do when you go outward to actually be in pure service Mm -hmm.
2: and and i would say that Going after a while, after you you completely go in where you flip yourself inside out, that's why I said enlightenment is completely selfish. And then, unless until you become completely selfless, and then up to to that point, everything you do is going to be for the self because you can't do it nothing except for the self when you haven't realized that there is no self, right. So whether that's spirituality or, or, or doing things for the community or for the environment or playing basketball or being a CEO. But that still doesn't mean that you can't service others, you know, you can't serve other people at that at that stage. You still can. It's important to serve other people at that stage still. It's it's better to be a selfish, uh altruistic than be a selfish murderer, right?
1: Yes,
0: yes,
2: yes.
1: Well it's better to yeah, it's better to be a selfish, altruistic cunt than a selfless murderer, exactly. (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, but after you become completely selfless, it's the 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 chance of you murdering a person will be almost zero, will be unless it's like a self-defense. So that's what I say it's like after you flip yourself inside out, there's no more distinction between inside and outside. That, 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 that the thing about inside and outside is that in non-duality there is no such distinctions. You wouldn't think of doing anything for the self, nor would you think of any, doing anything for the for the other people. You just do things, and whatever you do would be pure, regardless, even if it's just playing video game. <laughs> but the thing is, the, the the thing, the tricky part is like after that realization, this that you don't know what you're gonna do.
1: Yeah, I think that's the really tricky thing about the... the that's
2: the really that tricky in, thing about and enlightenment. It's like, and we, you don't and know what you're going to this, do afterwards.
1: This is, this is the, the place it, where... Well,
0: and that's where...
1: You could say
0: that a, a lot of the organizations that gather people together that have awakened and to work on uh, a collective objective like Igniting Global Awakening, like what we're doing with Vincenio Massaro and the... Uh, no limit society that I that that seems to be one of the best ways to sort of um you do, to take what you said is this we don't know what will happen to uh we can actually create like these landing strips for people That's as they awaken and then we can help them integrate their awakening we can help with um with turning people in uh more and more towards pure service as they've went in until that duality is transcended. But that's that's great. Because it, it is very important to have a community and have home um, uh, as you go through this process of even physically, when you become aware of the oneness of the planet, that in itself is mind-blowing. When you begin understanding that your life is interdependent on trees and phytoplankton photosynthesizing oxygen for you. Um, because you when you take that truth to people that um, don't understand that oneness aspect to, to reality, um, uh, <clears throat> they can sometimes feel contracted because they, they don't necessarily feel that. It's almost like you can start getting a little bit of porosity of the self, begins feeling some oneness porosity, they begin feeling perforated, almost based on physicalism to start a lot of the time. They start feeling oneness more in a physicalism sense on a planetary level, at least to start.
1: It's like they're on Molly or something, you know, they're not really tuned in and connected to really, it's like connecting to our sense of ourself beyond individualism. And I think that's, that's kind of been the prevailing, uh, view is in the spiritual community is like okay we need to purify the individual and then collective change will come out as a result of the individual changing and that's sort of where I've grown to to really differ I mean maybe it's it, it's because I'm at I'm at a point in myself where uh, I feel like I I don't know maybe I'm qualified to to reckon with reality to reckon with this crazy world from a spiritual perspective. And, you know, like uh, like when you, you pulled up that page on class consciousness, Karl Marx came up. And I think a lot of people, uh, I feel like asserting this because a lot of people have become identified with these belief systems, you know, and that's the way that they perceive, you know, yeah. the struggle of the system is through this dogma of someone else's view purview. And I think Karl Marx is. That's you know,
0: true. You're, you're, you're very right. Capitalism,
1: yeah. But people, people, and I, I don't know. I'm mostly true. these days, am in these circles of. It's true. and of, of activists yeah. and of people who are systems thinkers or economists yeah. or political. Yeah, people. ideologies
0: are, are yeah. have ideologies are pathologized everywhere in culture, yeah. everywhere, that, creating lots of separation. Exactly, lots of separation. Yeah, Which, when people, people try to pin
1: pinpoint me to an ideology, or when I talk the way that I do, they say, "Oh, you're a communist," or "Oh, you're a socialist," or oh, "You're an anarchist." And it's it's all right what what are you what's your thing and it's like well really it's a spiritual perspective it's like a p- common sense perspective that what we are doing is wrong and insu- and unsustainable and destructive and it for me it's like it is a place it does come from a place of intuition i don't i feel like that's a tricky thing to sort of uh suggest to people because you know the nazis felt intuitively right about what they were doing or you know Someone in the KKK who is motivated, maybe by a love for his daughter, because he has a wrongful belief about you know a wrongful racist belief that is you know maybe he feels that he is intuitively in the right position and is not continually analyzing that in any sort of um, root rigor without with rigor you know there is no there is no lens between you know or latency between his feeling and his action and I think it it's very tricky to traverse these states and to go from like this you know, aloof spiritual perspective that often can disconnect people from their connection to systems and to politics and through the everyday reality of our collective shared humanity. And then there's the other side of that where someone is so lost in the systems approach or in the ideology or in they're only doing that that they become in their own way just another reactive mechanism. Like a lot of Marxists I know are just totally reactive. They're a reaction to a reaction to a reaction. They're not really coming from an organic place of really questioning every single thought that comes through their head and everything in their world. And I, it's very hard to prescribe changes like that. But I think to sort of boil this and on endless tangent that will only be broken up momentarily and added with another tangent, that we need to shift from that, change the person to change the world. I think the people who are changed on that personal level through the miracles of suffering and the grace of other people and the love that has helped them get there. Like I am only alive right now uh, because of love. I didn't believe my own life was worth saving. And, you know, that's the only reason that I feel that the world is changeable. That can be that climate catastrophe can be changed today and averted because my own life, which I didn't believe in at all was saved by love, by the love of other people. We need to shift to a point where the people at that place you know, stop preaching a doctrine of, oh, oh, save yourself, and then you can be like me or whatever. We need to work together to attack these systems or grab these systems, catch the identifying mechanism of, you know, human persona, which is this, you know, the, the ego system of capitalism, of of uh, trade and business and eco- economics. The, the the words that – the politics that make our world go around, we need to take those those back from these people who are just reactions of reactions of reactions and work to intelligently program them to meet everyone's needs and get everyone to a better place. So it's it's a collective awakening. That's that's the title of this episode. That's really what I feel like is important to talk about in my heart, even though I love just diving into the you know the the beautiful poetry of reality, of of spirituality. That's okay. Take take
0: take an example. If you've ever seen mycorrhizal networks, how fungi works underground. Fungi works underground in a two-way resource exchange with 95% of plants. It's unbelievable <laughs> how it works. And so here's the thing is that it works in a decentralized way. Fungi works in a decentralized way. Class consciousness and having a this everything based on capitalism and wealth and having contracting perspectives. If again, if we go through this not having basic needs met where I'm working 80 hours a week, I have no time to turn inward and understand metacognition whatsoever. What's gonna happen is that your lens of perception is gonna get contracted and contracted and contracted. The scripts are gonna pathologize your life and you're gonna more and more be fed in the data streams that make you more and more of a slave to that specific class consciousness, that specific lens. Whether you're successful or poor, you know? And and yes, yes. And the way to break out of that in many ways is these tiny little nudges that can be made for people. Of course, architectural systems, which we'll talk about in a moment, that biomimic mycorrhizal networks and fungi. But these- Talk to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, talk dirty to me. Exactly. Because that that's that's ultimately the big picture thing is like transcending a lot of the existing centralized infrastructures that contract people's consciousness and transcending that to decentralized liberated architectures that enable people to pursue higher states of consciousness, in essence. Pause, pause. Yes. I just want to
1: say that I love you both very much.
0: <laughs> I love painful. you. I love you both too.
2: Atlas and the Zach. love you guys
1: yeah this is this is (laughs) actually this is our second conversation and i love that i love meeting someone and just meeting them at the heart level you know the totality the the, you know the like this is humanity you know it's it's not this is our most efficient way of of cogitating is this weird evolution that we do which isn't like create tools and throw things and use our thumbs it's to like merge our consciousness with somebody else and we and our brains grow in the process so we're like this weird (laughs) Three-headed, <laughs> wonderful, three-headed weirdo right now. You know, oscillating into toward towards some great awakening or some great insight. So yeah, I, that was- I have a
2: little input of what you just said. Yes, go ahead. Um, I think, I think awakening is going beyond right and wrong, because right, right, right now there is still a duality in what you're saying, Zach. That this thing is right, and then that thing is wrong, and I think that's where actually the conflict comes from. Is that a certain group of people thinking their idea is right, and the other group thinking it's wrong? And for me, awakening is waking up both out of both of these paradigms, out of both out of the both of the green paradigm, the environmental paradigm, and the capitalist paradigm. Because right now, those two paradigms are what's causing the conflicts, and each of those paradigms, they're thinking they're right.
1: Well, but if if the yeah, I mean, but, well, but, well there, isn't
2: isn't that but, just but, a belief
1: system?
0: Isn't that, that what? The,
2: Isn't it just a belief system that um, hurting the planet is wrong?
0: Yes. So Frank, when so Frank, when so like here's here's a here's a decent way to put that that might that might provide insight. So, so we're gonna so we're gonna transcend this this is a very good point. There's there's this is a very good point. There's one set of centralized archaic infrastructures that exist right now that promulgate separation. Then there's this new envisioned set of architectures that are more around decentralization, that biomimic fungal networks that are more about enabling they're, they are. They're way older. They're actually, this set of is actually a billion years old up here. And so the billion year old intelligence like fungi is what we're aiming to, to architect next. And so what we're saying is that this to is not <clears throat> their book. So in the most non-dual perspective there, we transcend this completely. Um, in the dualistic concessionary perspective that we can hold simultaneously, we see that these biomimic fungal networks are by far where we need to build our civilization moving forward um, to to increase and accelerate planetary awakening. And so you can hold non-duality where you collapse this and also duality at the same yeah. time where there's something to build towards that's better.
1: I read, I read an interesting thing about power struggles uh, the other day that... Uh, often in in struggles of power where there's asymmetry the the force that's in power isn't even aware that there is an alternative you know and and I'm, I'm sure that the forces in power are acutely aware that there is an alternative and they feel in their logic that these people are jealous of our success or you know if they have their way then our whole mechanism which is to them right because i don't believe that or into anyone out there is intentionally destroying the earth they're they're just literally mentally ill in a cultural delusion and i think i think that i i don't really i don't know engaging in like is it is there a point or is it better for the world to die or the world to live like if an asteroid crashed into the earth tomorrow and blew it up that wouldn't be immoral that wouldn't be wrong or even inefficient that would kind of be the will of the universe you know and if humans destroy the earth. I suppose that's the will of the universe, but I don't believe that that's going to happen. I don't. I, it will, will happen. happen without- I like your
2: speech. I love your podcast, by the way. You should link uh, his podcast to the to the video. The we'll speech put that the you- link in the bio. Yeah. The speech that you yeah. gave at the end was very motivating for me. I liked it. It gave me goosebumps.
1: What, what was about how, was? how you
2: uh, you've been really optimistic about um, climate change? You did, the the podcast you did with your your friends about climate change. At the end, you gave this whole speech about how you're optimistic. Even though the whole thing is fucked up. So I I like that. Anyway, I just want to mention that.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, that's I, I think I said it better in that speech than I could here. I mean, it because it was really presented with like, okay, the earth is going to die if we don't continue doing this. My my dear friend Alan, who's a, a brilliant environmentalist, who's a brilliant atheist, by the way, who I, I love very much, you know, laid it out that like this is what's happening, this is what's going to happen if we don't radically, radically change. That all life on earth is is essentially going as we know it. Because they'll still be the the mm-hmm. rhizomal micro rhizomal fungi will still uh, they'll inherit the earth, but we and you know complex life forms on down to anything about as complex as a chicken is going to be you know dunzo, so that's that's it that you know and we can we could go down a deep rabbit hole of saying you know is one better than the other but it's not like it's one belief system fighting another it's one belief system fighting the in, inherent selflessness. Of life existing, growing, coexisting, coagulating, coming together, and intensifying—you know—cells forming and 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 intensifying that are based off of uh, you know some some aloof process of archetypal generation of meaning, of purpose. That it the universe is not even if 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 it is an illusion, and it is if it's a simulation, and it is. We watch movies, and they give us meaning in our lives, and I think that's what our existence is in this world. And ultimately, we are creating meaning. On a deep level, we we may be a simulation, but it's there is a viewer, there is a final observer that the whole world in itself is watching itself, and I'm not sure if there are formless beings, you know, with personalities and intelligences, like the the Bhagavad Gita says and the Vedas say that there are personalities guiding the universe on an archetypal sort of way. They're not just blind forces of science of, you know, uh, you know like the Fibonacci sequence or you know, uh, mathematics guiding the universe. And I think that is a manifestation of a kind of God, a kind of, you know, higher order intelligence. And it that's what all of reality is. But really, it, we exist and life is precious. It's precious because it just fucking is. It doesn't need to be vindicated any more than that. And what I am that's talking good, about, what I, what I feel like advocating for is not a shift from one belief system to another, but it's a shift away from the, artificial narrative that we have implanted on reality. This is what reality is. This is what life is. This is what humanity is. This is what we got to do. We got to be successful. We got to convert every living thing into dead profit. You know, it's, it's shifting out of that. It's ending this nightmare and basically lapsing back into this collective, not just, Collective awakening doesn't just mean every person individually be- achieves enlightenment and then they can play video games and be enlightened. It's, it's a deeper level of, of evolution. It's a true evolution of our consciousness to the point where we are raising up out of all of these wheels of reactivity and duality and all these narratives, fighting narratives, Marxism versus capitalism. It's an end to all of that, and it's erasing it and saying, okay, we're going to connect with our intuitive, true sense of who we are as collaborative, intuitive creatures, That work together to solve problems we're going to raise us up out of scarcity which is manufactured truly we manufacture scarcity we 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 grow enough food to feed 10 billion humans and there's a, a human dies of starvation every six seconds one two three four five six dead person dead human life pointless pointless loss we that person could be einstein you know that person could drastically improve the quality of life for all of us that all of our our you know uh, mindless distractions that keep us from actually pondering and connecting with and substantiating materially and spiritually what is going on from achieving that
2: can I challenge you on that again
1: sure that's why we're here buddy isn't, <laughs> here isn't, to
2: play ball. The, isn't the idea of uh, escaping the ego into the collective universal consciousness uh, uh, just another idea
1: yeah it's really actually just a scheme for, to make money I just trying no, to build it's just, my No, I'm in.
2: not I'm not going I'm not even going there. I'm saying that's no, no, I'm just, just another
1: I'm riffing idea. on you. you what would you say again?
2: I'm I'm saying the move from collective the move from the egoistic mind to the universal mind consciousness. You're saying that's the meaning of, of existence and I'm challenging you on that one. I'm saying that's just another idea.
1: Ultimately, yeah, whatever happens, happens. And we are merely... Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 Frank, because now it's important to challenge what you just said. So. So. Is it not... Is it not generally clear that um, this expression of infinity, this universe, um, has within it a, a cosmological phenomenon that, is, that appears like consciousness awakening to recognizing its nature? Um, I, I
2: would say there there are, like we talked about in the last episode, there is an there is some kind of knowing, there's an experience going on for sure, but anything that, that is said with about that experience, including that it's consciousness or that it's our it's our duties, our it's our it's the meaning of life to return to that
0: source, it becomes another belief after a while.
2: I, I'm not I'm not doubting
0: that there is something going on here. Okay, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Another way to another way to say that would be that um if if you or I, Marlow, onward, if we undergo a process of, let's say, um, uh, uniting with the undercurrent of existence, um, <clears throat> a very general product of that is to, is to serve as well as we can, um, other, uh, pieces of life, um, Awakening to the very undercurrent of existence. So it that that seems to be at least in this expression of infinity, what is happening? We're not talking about consciousness. We're not talking. We're no. We're not talking about just more like um, there is what appears to be somebody that um, had a more contracted energy and that now has a much more infinite free energy, and that in in essence what is happening is these pieces of life are going from that to does does that not appear to be how this is architected it's an it's an expression um, of
1: efficiency it's not just this is right and morally right or wrong it's 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 something that is essentially parasitic and addictive that is that is driving humanity to look away from you know I, I hesitate to say like it's true potential or for what is, but it it's a destructive, destructive, addictive force that will snuff out all of life on this earth and the, and the ability and potential for consciousness to continue to grow and expand and swell. And you know this earth itself took billions and you know billions of years to form. Life took billions of years to form. you know intelligent life that can cogitate on the form that we can. Although I think you know, animals can, dolphins can, dogs can. They have an awareness of themselves. Birds can look at themselves in the mirror. I mean, our views of what of what is conscious are very very limited. There's a, I, I was reading in the Shaiva, the Shaiva tradition, the Shaiva oracles where They've actually predated the Hindu and the Vedic, Vedic and the Buddhist. They're like the wellspring, this see, kind of secret seed, uh, spiritual practice and tradition. They were they were saying that the everything in existence is conscious you know down to a rock a rock may have a small amount of consciousness as compared to something like a human or a dolphin or whatever but it, everything is conscious everything exists and is i think gravitating towards something greater something it, there is an evolution going on it isn't just particles bumping into each other randomly you know forming for a little while
2: i mean that's I can, also that's also part of the evolution
1: we we evolved to get to this moment you know you i Atlas, we did, and I think it's—it's it's not like we're switching a belief system for another belief system. It's just kind of shaking off the weight of of an of an addiction, of a delusion, of an attachment. Like you have an attachment to anything else, you know, like like people who are still stuck at their attachment as a man or a human, or uh, you know, any of these things that we attach ourselves to that keeps us from progressing. Even somebody's attachment to themselves as a guru, like, oh, I've figured it out. I've reached enlightenment that's a narrative that's keeping somebody from achieving what from just getting there from realizing something deeper about reality or about themselves. And I think all of these things are just fundamentally keeping us from realizing that alone and individually, you know, uh, individually and together. And I think that there is something that it's only a dream. It's never been seen or done before. Maybe it has thousands of years ago in human history that we were, we lived in this perfect oneness this perfect unity. And we were able to, you know, think on greater levels than we are today. But we're getting to the point where we can actually connect our consciousness, not just like through the internet, not through some ch- drilling, some chip in our head, but by just being aware of each other's existence, being aware of our own thoughts, our own consciousness and the consciousness of others. That's going to take us to a place we've never seen before, that you haven't seen before, that I, that none of us has experienced before.
2: So right now I'm looking, I have a visualization of like three different I don't wanna say ideology, but three different ways of experience in the world. We have the capitalistic uh, perspective and then we have the environmental perspective and then we have the quote unquote spiritual perspective. And they're, to me, they're all codependent rising. They, they are co-creating each other, they need each other. And to me, they're all the same. And from the perspective of that space, which gives rise to all three systems, it's hard to comprehend this whole thing about evolution of, um, I, I think like you said, everything is evolving in a sense, but nothing is moving. So the, the two weird. levels are operating simultaneously. It's like inevitably we're evolving. That's why I keep telling people we're <laughs> evolving, we're, we're, you know we're going somewhere. But at the same time, the consciousness cannot evolve because consciousness doesn't have levels. So there's an evolution in levels of the mind and levels of thinking before you get to the non-dual state of consciousness. So that's what we're doing as a, as a collective thing, is that we're changing our mind and belief system so that we can break out of it. So it's not like it's not like consciousness is, is evolving because consciousness doesn't evolve. Conscious, the universe is just is just the way it is. There's no levels to the thing. All levels still belongs to the dream state into the mind, but you have to go through levels. And you have to perceive the level, understand that there is a level to the mind before you can deconstruct the mind and enter that state where there is no levels. So, so there is evolution. At the same time, there isn't. Everything's happening. Yeah, nothing's happening. <laughs> can, and that's the can, simultaneity, which is such totally, an word.
1: Yeah, I can, I can definitely word. get down with that. That you know, time as we perceive it is a totally a linear thing. You know, we are we are witnessing this like you know one frame or we're witnessing it as successive frames but when you're in the editor exactly. you can go backward or exactly. you know That's a from, good or from the true perspective you can go in any direction that, yeah. you know to, and i think a lot of people exactly. get stuck in a moral real quick and a lot of people get stuck in a moralistic sort of judgment of say the capitalistic perspective or this the you know the individual <laughs> mm-hmm. perspective when in reality it is a, a an aspect of evolution that we have to say okay this wasn't just a total deviation for no reason this was to learn a lesson you know the reason we mm-hmm. separate from one or from zero to one and then to two and, and, and anon is basically to learn like okay no, we can go back not, together. we want to get back to zero I'm, i've been writing this crazy fantasy sci-fi fantasy novel about all of human history and consciousness and of course frank yang is a character and he plays a shape-shifting uh buddha going around telling people that they're everything they believe is an illusion and then like hey my reality, reality is not an illusion, it's real. And they try to kick his ass, and he's like he's like a super strong shapeshifter. It's great, it's gonna it's gonna break me, it's gonna break narrative. It's fiction, the characters will be a series of films someday. The characters basically get to the point where they all ascend, they they defeat the dragon and they save the world, and you know, and then they're like, Okay, but this isn't it. They keep going, and eventually they go to the realm of the gods of the archetypes that make all this happen, and they're these tiny little beings watching this. War of the gods play out where this errant god, this sort of Lucifer, this Satan, this this ego, you know, the individual, the, the ego is you know, it's it's a collective thought dream of a, a disordered state of the human ego that we have projected onto all of society and said, This is it, this is the, the thing, the truth, and that's capitalism. That's the you know, endlessly expanding growth, cancerous growth model of capitalism. But so it's like basically this god, this force. Uh, kills all of the other gods and radically reduces them down to one and from one zero. And that's the birth of the universe. So it's like we basically went so astray in ourselves, in this capitalistic system, in this point where we've pushed our earth to the point where it's about to die. Our mother is on her deathbed is rattling with a cough and she has to shake us off to continue living. And I think that happened so we could learn that's not the way that we don't do that again. And when we are learning this, it's a simulation that all of consciousness itself is learning through us. Whether we will, in a linear fashion, experience that, we probably won't, you know? But it's that's why we're going through it, to create meaning. And I, th- I think you could say that's an arbitrary term or that's just a belief system. That's my belief. I still have beliefs, you know? <laughs> Maybe I just haven't sat under a tree long enough, but I believe that. I believe because... It, it, it's not like something, that <laughs> something that's true. It's like this is my, my – the whole purpose of my existence. It's an, I'm not free to pursue. I have to what, pursue what would, it, what would
0: it be like if you did ha- empty yourself of all beliefs? Just It'd curious. Be fucking
1: rad. <laughs> I'd probably just be better at what I'm doing. I don't know. Maybe Ooh I'd be yeah, exactly. so that's what i Yeah, That's what I think. That's what I
2: think too. I
1: think you'd be better at what you're doing. And maybe, I would you just, hey, maybe I would just realize that the earth isn't worth saving and i just play
0: video games. <laughs> no, problem. no, that, that yeah, that's so. that is such a goal. common by the way. Guess no, what? Guess what? I, by I the way, guess guess what in guess what is creating that thought? The conditioning that doesn't want to dissolve.
1: No, it's a joke. Yes. It's a joke. I I yes. want yes. To afraid, afraid, you know, Honestly, yeah. I people agree. tell me that yeah. all the time yeah. because I'm on my podcast, Moneyless Society, it's in it's about all of this, it's about you know collective sh- systems change. It's in its own way, it's a spirit. I I consider it a spiritual work because to do spiritual work, I have to wake down in Frank's beautiful term to understand the way that this system works that's keeping people from realizing that. And the central, you know, core, you know, fetishist, tokenistic belief system that keeps us there this magical implement, this, you know, parasitic adaptation, this technology that has uh, convinced the human species to forego all its symbiotic relationships. For this one thing that makes it so I don't need anyone, and that's money, people can't do that. They, oh, well, that just breaks their brain to think that we could live without money, even though we did for the you know the vast majority of human existence. People say if we take that out of the the way, or if we end society's problems, or if we meet everybody's needs, there'll be no point. There'll be no. Why will we wake up in the morning? Why will we do anything? What you know? What will be the point of that? And I think that's the silliest thing in the entire world. That's the most privileged position imaginable. It's like, oh, we end suffering, you know, as we not, we'll, we'll always suffer. Life will always be a crazy, dangerous, you know, insane adventure. You know, I'm I'm not afraid of that. I, I, I I'm excited for it. Do, do you, if we, we it. go,
0: if we, if we scrub this video back, like uh, three minutes or whatnot, where you just said that, If you emptied out those last bits of conditioning and beliefs, you would be better at what. Oh no, I I was being
1: sarcastic when I was when I flipped that.
0: Yeah, I know. But but but, oh, but okay. So now wait, let's let's just stay with this for a moment. So what's holding you back then from emptying out those last bits of conditioning and beliefs that would make you better at being in pure service to exactly what you're blueprinted for and what you're already doing?
1: Well, it's the, it's the rigor and the discipline to, you know, to go through it. It's, it's not fear. It's, it's time and, uh, it's intention and it's.
0: Oh, okay, wait, what know. do you, what do you think? What do you think the rigor and discipline is to deconstruct that last bit of conditioning? What, what would, what do you think that that process is?
1: Well, it's spending a, a lot of time. It's like, you know, going to the gym and bulking up like our, our yeah. guru Frank has, you know, it's, a. Uh, it's it's going through the process of, of the and the discipline of hitting those genres. you know. I don't know. I generally do feel empty. It's interesting. Like some a friend was asking me, like, you know, what's on your what are you thinking about? What's on your mind? I asked a, I asked a, a girl that the other day. I was like, what are you thinking about? She gave me a really specific thing. She said, What are you thinking about? I said, Nothing, nothing at all. I can't conjure a thought. I mean, my mind is generating things, but I, I can't make it think for me. I, I don't know. It's, it's right. interesting, like talking it's to people talk about who have to through a lot through. of this stuff. That I I mean I've taken ayahuasca and you know and and I've I've just gone through so much profound suffering, so many dark nights of the soul. I don't I'm sure there are there are you know con, there's conditioning left to undo. And I mean I'm a white man, you know, I grew up entitled and rich and or you know fairly well off and all that, rich by anybody in the world's standards, you know. Most of the people in the world living on two dollars a day. Yeah, I grew up rich. So there's tons to dismantle. There's always more to dismantle, there's always more to to dig out. Of ourselves and i i encourage and i encourage anyone and everyone i encourage myself and i need to do that it's a path that i will take it's an eventuality it's not something i might do or i'm on the fence about it's it's, a, it's an adventure i will go on when i'm called to it but right now this is this is the the fruition of the bhakti yoga or is it bhakti yoga it's devotional yoga you know this yoga this service this i've been holding this pose for a long time and and i'm about to get that kundalini bust you know of making things change because that's it that's what i'm here to do and i, I will always you know strive to improve and grow and to dismantle to get there to get there better
2: what else i can say Basketball. yeah so. when when everything is meaningless that means everything is meaningful right you can't I, have a duality between what's meaningless and what's meaningful.
0: Reality is neither one nor the many. You 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 know what I've been saying is a purposeful I'm a purposeful meaninglessness. Yeah, um, that's good. That's a good. One. Absurdity. And, uh, um n- what about um, um what about diversity in oneness is the mathematics of the infinite. <laughs> well, that's a good
2: one. Yeah. The many and the one there's neither one of the many, but both, they exist simultaneously. Yes. And you know why I point that's out the a, whole yeah. thing about universal consciousness as being another belief is that that's why you said earlier about how a lot of spiritual people, they're, they're kind of trapped in that box, right? Of just falling back into the absolute transcendence. And we're just talking about the same thing earlier on the, on the previous podcast about how there are really three stages. First, you have the normal world, the, the world through the lens of the separate self, the ego world. And the second, you have the spiritual world, the world through the, the, the absolute transcendence, the world through the my whatever. And all the mystical traditions, that's their peak point is that unity, total unity. And then there's a third level, which is coming down from the absolute transcendence and uniting Nirvana with samsara. That's a quote, unquote, actual world. And I tell people that if you want to experience the actual world, watch your animal planet or watch your our planet documentaries. <laughs> watch, you know, that that, that, that <laughs> dependency of the organism is that the naturalness, yeah, the natural yeah. state, it's not just one or the many, it's not just God consciousness, or it's not just the animal, or the ego. It's everything is just codependent arising through links of conditions and causes. And that to me feels more like the the true nature of our state than say uh Kundalini explosions or like angels or gods or even fractal DMT trip or capitalism or uh even um you know you know you know a selfish pursuits and egoistic maniac depiction of uh of, of human beings uh, like Wolf <laughs> of Wolf. Neither, neither of those are the natural state, but both of them are at the same time.
1: Yeah. I mean, just watching watching strangers on a, on a train, you know, that's beautiful to me. A a friend of mine just said this, I I got this beautiful thing on film. He was just like, that's the most amazing thing to me. That's the thing I'm going to miss the most when I'm dead. It's not my mom. It's not my lover. It's just random interactions with human beings. It's just being a human to put one more, you know, to say one more thing about me, what I'm doing, why I feel called to do this. It's not because it's moral. It's not because, you know, I have an argument or because I surveyed, of one belief system against another. It's just because I don't have a choice. I do it because it is natural. It is my, it is my natural state to do this. And all my life has spent, you know, going through this adventure, you're talking about those three stages, you know, it's like uh, the, the book that blew, blew my mind was The Hero's Journey, or The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. That it was like, we're all on an adventure. We're all on this journey. And there's the ordinary world. And then there's, there's the fantastical world, dreams and fairies and monsters and treasures. And, that world exists that world exists in your mind and it exists in the world outside of that if you step out of what you accept to be the truth of reality you can find that world but that and most hollywood movies are actually based on that structure but the where they get it wrong <laughs> is that it ends with the character you know getting that kundalini bus they they get their own boon but it ends when you bring the boon back to the ordinary world and you give it to them and you share it you share it with them And it becomes a shared experience that that's why you go crazy. That's why you go into the wilderness and take on the devil, which is you, which is you, all the gods, all the monsters are you, They're consciousness. They're the self, but you go through that stuff to find that sacred treasure, that life giving water to bring it back to the world. That's it. And that's beautiful to me. And it's an insane thing. It's not rational at all. It's, it's rational in the way that a a peregrine falcon stooping, and flying 200 miles an hour down from the sky to grab a smaller bird and eat it, you know? That's not a rational thing. You just, it's instinct. It's great. It feels great. Do it. Dive in. If you you can find that water of the heart, dive the fuck in and follow that passion until you're not moving anymore on your own volition. And your only choice is even choosing a piece of pizza. It's like, what do I want on that? Oh, I could say I have the choice to choose my toppings. I don't have a choice. I'm going to get the Barada, you know, it's it's the only, it's the only one.
0: The hero's journey seems to be one of the best ways to help people shift from the existing scripts into um, more uh, sovereignty and freedom and actualization and planetary prosperity. So that's a great archetype. It's a critical one. And just to also touch on, um, what we've been talking about regarding fungi and what Frank just mentioned a moment ago as well, where there, there does seem to be a, um, a pretty fascinating, um, you're kind of, you're kind of birthed in as a, as a person. And then you're like, okay, how do I transcend this? And then you merge with God, which you were the whole time. time. Um, and then, and then after that, um, there's no distinction, uh, between what is mundane worldly stuff and what is the transcendent nirvanic stuff. Right, And then, yeah. and then that meeting point, that meeting point is what the fungal networks are basically trying to say. Um, and yeah, and then that's really where I've gotten fucked, um, in the <laughs> last couple of like, especially like weeks, um. Is that um, what they're telling us? Which is a is it's a <clears throat> it's a more than one billion year old intelligence. Which, by the way, we come from six hundred fifty million years ago. The animal split from fungal lineage, so animals are descendants of fungi. So when Frank talks about animal planet and the Earth and the natural state. Um, it's all a dependent origination. It's all infinity fucking itself with endless amounts of webs of causes in it's beautiful. Like one of the most important messages that I got from fungi about like three months ago or something like that was that it went something like this. It was like eons, bitch eons, (laughs) bitch eons bitch and what it was saying was that it took eons bitch for you to have the exact experiences for you to have the exact movie that you're having right now eons bitch endless infinite dependent webs for you to have this experience and that melted the fuck out of me um and that's what we are that's that's what we are and um and so that's why when people talk about um, this centerless uh non-dual very decentralized universalized cosmic octopus as as Frank says where each of us are tentacles um that uh the 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 There's no words. Yeah, it's
2: kind of like this. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like each of us is a tentacle, but at the same time, we're also the originator of all the tentacles. So, like when I hear sensations outside right now, when I look at the clouds, or when I hear the cars driving by, when I look at you guys, I'm experiencing everything as just webs, just connected, like physically connected to everything. So it does literally feels like every single sensation is like a tentacle of tentacle of tentacle, right? And this whole field is absolutely connected. There's just the body of the cosmic cosmos the the cosmic octopus but at the same time this cosmic octopus there is just a manifestation there's just a sensation there's no there's no center point to this octopus you know what i mean so it's not like frank the octopus having tentacles it's that frank here the, this, this thing this like this thing here is just part of the it's just one tentacle right and there's no central tentacle because everything is have because nothing non no tentacles can exist by itself has an exist in here, apart from those relations
1: Alan, can you look up? Uh, it's called Indra's Net. It's describing this exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I, I think that. it's from Tibetan Buddhism. And it's so good. It's basically that there's a, a crystal lattice, a web of everything, and um, the Indra's jewels, Indra's pearls. Oh, it's so beautiful that there's a web of life. That life is every single.
0: By the entity. way, look at what the first. It's a metaphor used to illustrate sunyata sh- emptiness. And then also dependent origination. Essentially,
1: and I hope I don't mess this up because it's such a it's like the most beautiful metaphor for everything that I've ever heard that there's a net, a web of it's all connected at this point at all these, uh, you know, vertices, these points, and every point is connected to every other point.
2: But it's also connected to itself. Every Every single point
1: is connected to everything else. So every moment that has ever come to pass in this web of not just you know all of our associations, our yep. lives, our dreams, our you know best moments, our worst moments—they're all tethered in this wonderful way. That if you really look at it, and I was talking about this today with you know the ways that filmmaking or bringing a camera out changes reality. That to look at, to look at each moment, you can see the light shine through the crystal beads. And but oh to, yeah, to point a camera at somebody else and ask them their story. As if it is a story, you know, in a way of showing other people their hero's journey. Because people walk through this world, most of them they don't think they have a story. They don't think that there's a a, a a trajectory of their lives. They just kind of think it's just random that this happened, then this happened, and then this happened. Oh, and then that happened. But really, when you get people talking about it and you ask the right questions, you can really show somebody that oh I this love this moment. This moment that i thought was meaningless or that i thought was the worst moment of my life and this is the most consistent thing i realized in studying stories and in looking at my own story and i've been obsessed with my own story you know forever and seeing that there is, there's a story in this life and i can't waste this life on the mundane moments i can't i have to leave the ordinary world not stay here in it that when you realize that the worst moments in your life the most gutless catastrophes that busted everything open and ripped you apart and and you know poured acid down into the most sensitive aspect of you that moment is the moment that led you to awakening, to enlightenment, to the, to a beautiful sunset, or to just a moment of calm when it was all over. And that's this moment we're in as a species, as a collective, that our Earth is on fire and is flooding. And you've got billionaires flying around in space taking selfies while it's happening. And you got p- human beings digging in a garbage can for food while that's happening. This, The indignity of this all seems fucking insane if you don't see that there's a story to it. That there's an evolution going on that all, all of this happens for a reason and maybe that reason is just that you know to bring things back to the heat death of the universe and you know the undoing of the big bang or whatever the beginning moment is that or that that independent origination where nothingness Not came somethingness i i don't think that's true i think that we we are going through this so we can learn from it so we can learn better and so our consciousness or consciousness altogether I can't substantiate that to say that consciousness can evolve, but everything else evolves. Why can't everything, why can't everythingness evolve or even nothingness can nothingness, not learn, can nothingness, not grow. Everything else does. Nothing else does. <laughs> we aren't learning. Nothing, nothing is changing. Everything is changing. I'm getting confused. I need to meditate more.
2: <laughs> Wait, can you pull up that picture again. Thanks for the um, telling us about that intro. Uh, what's it called? Indra's net.
0: Indra's net. Yeah.
2: It's, there's one picture it's, that I like. Thank
0: liked. you. Thank you for calling that up. It's such a good one. Uh, That's one particular
2: one that I really like. Can, can we see it again? There's one with just a net, but there's no notes. That one's really. There's one with that one. I think that one right there. Yeah, that one. No, that one. Not that one. The one to the left of that. <laughs> that one, that one is pretty good because it's just, just a net. There's no, no there's no nodes. Like there's no, there's no particles in between those, those
1: connections. Click it again. Because they're, make it bigger.
2: It's really hard to, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to illustrate this. This is so complex. But see how there's, no, there's really no like. There's no, not even that the, There's no like circ, There's no like balls in between those nets in a sense, right? Some of the other pictures have like a big ball, but that's the thing. You try to deconstruct to that. There's no balls. There's just the relations. There's just the connections. <laughs> yeah.
0: Speaking there's of no balls, balls right? there's only and, and relations.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's no balls. But speaking, speaking of balls, of that, that, I
0: hate this. But I,
1: I have to pee. Uh, I was gonna say, Frank, if you want to read your basketball post. Speaking of balls. Um, oh, I, I like was
2: gonna. That. I was gonna say something about time because you said something about how movies, everything is uh, existing simultaneously. Yeah, same thing with the, like ultimate. Ultimately, I think.
1: Marlo, go like, pee. The, go pee, bro. Frank, talk, talk. Do your do your basketball thing because you were you were you were hot to trot. You were hot about that. I'll be. Yeah, I'm we will. Not, we'll
0: do that. Let's do no. that later. At some point. This. At some point, we will. Yeah, yeah. At we'll see you in a bit.
2: So whatever what he said about the film, uh, everything exists simultaneously. Um I think that links only exist on the relative level of sp- spatial dimension of space and time as well. Because ultimately there's no process. Ultimately everything is spontaneous and simultaneously arising.
0: Oh, we're pausing. No, I, I just made your screen oh. big. Oh okay. Um
2: yeah. So that would lead to the basketball post because uh the thing about
0: decentralization in basketball.
2: Uh let me go peep. Let me go T2 then.
0: Okay. Me three. Ah! I'll, I'll keep people occupied for a moment. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in fam. Super appreciate you. And super appreciate your your comments. Thank you. We'll hope to answer your questions that you have. I am back, bros. Okay, Frank. You keep people occupied. We've we have an audience question that I feel like. It would be good okay. for you to for you to answer as well. Um okay. so I'm gonna go use oh, the bathroom can, and Marlo's back. So play. I'm gonna I'm gonna go use the bathroom quick. Um you guys chat. Let's we'll get to this audience question um maybe after I come back or whenever with the basketball stuff, blah blah blah. Be right back. <laughs>
1: I was just I was just laughing in the as I was taking my leak, performing my human function, engaging in this du- this this nonsensical dualistic web of balls and balls. Uh, I was just laughing how you and, and Atlas were talking about you were like, bro, you haven't awakened? Bro you haven't died? Oh bro, bro, you gotta do it. You were like <laughs> you were like hmm? like big brothers that were like, oh dude, you've never drank before? Bro, you got to drink. Dude, oh, you got to have this. It's great. <laughs> I just love how innocent and sincere and just and just ex- exhilarated you are about, you know, experiences like that. I, and I just I Whoa. love I just love your zeal. I'm just going to give them 30 seconds here and just appreciate you, Frank, because you're one of my very favorite life forms, death forms, nothingness forms, formless emptinesses because you have this insatiable zeal and curiosity that is like such a miraculous thing and so many people just lack they're not curious they're not interested in their world they don't want to know anything they just want to if anything they want to dull it like with alcohol you know
2: well i think uh what i'm doing is kind of similar to what you're doing it's just in a different way um yeah so whatever you said could be directed at yourself
1: that's the whole point right we're, we're directing it all at the self
2: <laughs> yeah because um when you ask people what they do after realization like we said like people do different things you can play basketball you can be a ceo you can like be a porn star you can be an environmentalist um i guess the point is afterwards is you just do what i think the program that you were running before it's important because whatever program they're running before will probably most likely keep running itself in a more efficient way, because without the doer, without the agency in the center, it's, it's like, it's like what we talked about earlier, like when you when you hear a sound before awakening, before non-duality, it's that if you hear the sound, there's a delay, right? There's you and the sound, there's a delay. There's a de- delay between all the sensations.
1: Yeah there's, the,
2: yeah, there's a delay between the seer and the scene. But after you de- deconstruct the center point, there's just a scene in hearing. There's just a hearing in thinking. There's just a thinking. It's not like you can't think, it's not like you can't. You, you have to be in the space of no thought. It's not like that. It's like when you think, it's not you thinking, it's thoughts just, just happen, and there's no thinker. There's the only thoughts and thoughts. Your thoughts thoughts actually become a lot more clean and efficient. And you have better thoughts when there is no thinker filtering the thoughts because the thinker is just an afterthought, it's a layover, right? So it's
1: interesting. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe I'm just ignorant or. But That's really kind of how it. When you describe it, that's how it feels in my head. You know, it, it feels. Yeah, that's why I, it feels. Yeah, the, it feels. Frank, it Frank. feels. It feels well, like, like, empty, but
2: there's still thoughts. I read yeah. that
1: beautiful quote by uh, Bruce Lee. You know, be like water. I think that's one of the most beautiful things anyone has ever said. I mean, I don't. I don't know that if if it originated with him. Lao Tzu. <laughs> Lao No, <it's> <laughs> Louder.
2: Louder. Well, be, like, you know, be like. Be like air. Be like air.
1: Well, just his, his, his. I loved his expansion of it, where he's just talking about like water can crash, you know, water can drip. It. He said it. He said it. Oh well, yeah, it was loud suit All right. Yeah, I gotta reread the Tao. The Tao. Yeah. Be like, he said. Be he like said. Be, he like said be like. Be like water and and fill the the shape of whatever container you're in. You know, and I think that's kind of one of the core principles of the insecurity of our, you know, kind of Western materialistic, capitalistic, whatever society. Wait, wait, wait,
0: before, before I lose this, this is, I think this is a very important point. Um, Frank is, is the analogy to continue that the, the appearances that are happening on the screen, the appearances that happen on the screen, the screen is for no one. And then the screen and the appearances are the same; that there's no yeah, differentiation right. between them. But and then the appearances are happening for no one. Yeah, yeah.
2: So basically, that, that's why I was telling him earlier about how like he's doing what he's doing, I'm doing what I'm doing, and and then afterwards, after realization, the programming can continue, but without the doer, without the agent, it would be a lot quicker, but a lot more spontaneous and a lot more efficient than whatever it is that you're doing. Right. So. So in a sense, there's not there's not even a container to contain the water.
1: What I've seen about that quote is that he it's like <laughs> our attitude, our deeply embedded individualistic attitude that is based in insecurity <laughs> and scarcity and debt and war and all these false things is to wherever you go, you assert yourself. You say this is me. This is my place. You project outward. What you think you are onto reality in this in this way that is so insecure that you know armies in the world right now are going into other countries like Cuba. They're threatening to do this to Cuba. They want to smash Cuba into the shape of what we think the United States thinks it's supposed to be, which is it. You know, instead of saying, instead of allowing, instead of going into a room and 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 feeling that room, not feeling a separation. You know, going into that room and just effortlessly being in that space. And I think, I feel like that fluidity for me came from hitchhiking more than anything of traveling around and realizing like, okay, I go from place to place None of these <laughs> know who I am at all. They have no clue who I am. I become essentially this sort of uh, reflection of the person that I'm talking to. Say I'm in a trucker's cab, he could kill me. I could kill him. <laughs> it didn't happen either in either form, but it's like you become that person in a way. And everywhere you go, there's, there's this heightened sense of need though. Where there's not this latency of like you're two people at a party and you have to find something to say and you dig. It's just like, okay, my life depends on me being social. My life depends on, like, I don't have a place to sleep. I don't have a bed. I'm going to have to talk to people and be social. It's like there's this really powerful rawness and immediacy of intuition that's like, I need to socialize to find what I need. And that's life without money. That's life without, you know, any of the trappings or the fast passes or whatever of this. World, the materialized forms that allow us to sort of transcend this natural state that you need that latency goes away quickly because it's you will die without it. You know, that latency of uh, it's like fight or flight, but it's like socialize or die. That's it. That's be social, be together, realize togetherness. Realize that no matter who the person you're talking to, you need to connect with them, you need to, or you could die. And so, it's like no matter who they are, if they're a murderer, I've talked to murderers. And I've loved them, you know, I've talked to sex offenders and loved them, you know, and realized all these people, all these bad people, I've talked to highly successful business people who have exploited the world and blah, 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 blah. I've talked to all kinds of different people. And I, it's like, there's this really interesting dependent position as a traveler, as somebody without money, without the means to, you know, be self-reliant, self-reliant, that I need these people. And it that latency erodes every time you do that, every interaction where you don't, Put that latency, that instantaneous judgment. Oh, do I like you? Do I give you my attention? No, you give it to everyone equally. But it, it's it's interesting that things optimize. You find the place where you're really, really supposed to be. When you listen not to what's going on around you, but you are that water. You are that water going into the room. So wherever you are, wherever you go, water is efficient. You know, It will find its channel. It will find its way back. Like electricity will find its way through a circuit in the most effective way. Fungus will do that too. They'll instinctively find their way, the most effective and intuitive pathway through life to find the resources, to find what they need. And what we really need is that sense of connection. We, though, not just me. We, not just you, not just I, not, not not just you, the listener. We and all of this enlightenment awakening realization becomes so much easier when we shift out of that space because there is no you, there is no me. There really isn't. They're nonsense. They make no sense. And if you, you know, you can go and sit under a tree. I'm, I'm not saying that in a dismissive way. I mean, you can meditate, you can go and look inside to the point where you realize you don't really exist, but it's actually a quicker, to just travel through the world and and leave your you know narrative of who you are and real like in your actual organic interactions with people realize who is the person that comes out oh it's it's fluid there is no like set me there's no thing that i would say in this situation i'm not a character in a book there's just you know the most truthful th- truthful thing to say there's the most truthful way to be and i think really yeah i always go
2: back to body.
1: I was gonna say ridding our society of this of this narrative that we have is is the way to get back to that.
2: What, what, I think middle way, middle way, man. Middle way is the way. There 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 is a you, there, but at the same time there isn't a you.
0: Frank, is there ever anything happening that's not the middle way? Isn't it auto middle uh, way all the time? <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, you keep uh, going I don't with know. what you were saying. It's auto middle weighing, but yeah, keep going. What were you saying? Self. What is what, what is middle way? Neither, it, neither um, asceticism nor indulgence in worldly pleasure. Yeah, that's what I was
2: trying to say. Yeah, because um, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not like we can't have money. It's not like you know, we just gotta live in a complete moneyless society.
1: Well, a, a moneyless just society just, doesn't mean asceticism. It actually been, getting past money means actually economizing our resources and and intelligently distributing distributing them in the most efficient way not in a way where it's hoarded so that everyone can have everything that they need and actually more i could i mean if if that's what we want to talk about i I could i have the vision of that it's not a sacrifice it's not we need to live in the dirt again it's it's we can live in an in an extremely high-tech efficient powerful beautiful (laughs) elegant society Because that's our limitation. That's not what's giving us, that's not what's supporting us, you know, the powers that we have. That's what's limiting them. That's what's driving things to death.
0: But the person Oh, that's funny
2: because so, so isn't Bitcoin like a way to decentralize
0: money? Yes. Yes. So is Bitcoin a good thing? Yes. All cryptocurrency. all decentralization of centralized infrastructure in general is a good thing,
2: yeah, yeah. so decentralization is
1: the middle way.
0: Decentralization is dependent origination. It is exactly. funny. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, Atlis and I were talking about kind of Trojan horsing these spiritual principles into media, into movies, into books, into podcasts things like that. Like my podcast, money the society is, Although we do, we have discussed spiritual, you know, aspects. We like uh, our recent episode, our our most recent episode that's coming Uh. up tomorrow is with two uh, war veterans and they're talking about imperialism and the military industrial complex and, you know, the ways that the financial system and the, the profit motive motivates wars. You know, one of them said beautifully that this is a spiritual war that we're in. We're in a spiritual war and every man, woman, child, and every other kind of living life form on this earth is, you know, in the crossfire of that is, is, has the gun to their head collectively.
0: It's, it's this. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So this is Zach's podcast on YouTube. Everyone, the links will be in the bio below moneyless society, Click this one with the
1: red, the woman in red. I made this video too. You don't have to play the sound. Just play it just for a second. I shot all this. Oh, the audio is not playing. That's okay. Just a little tease. Yeah, it's a show that's it's not overtly spiritual, but I think it, it is, for me, this is the most uh, prime...
0: It's affecting you, it's affecting your children, it's affecting every single life on this planet. It didn't start here in Americas, it started long before the Americas. Did
1: we inherently know what we were doing? No matter how blatant the destruction that we are causing, we cling to archaic legislation and belief systems that perpetuate the destruction that we're causing.
0: that's this why we killed the world? For what? For money. It's the system itself. I don't see it being enough on time without trying to really put some of those systems in check or just completely eradicate them and in, in essence make them obsolete with better models at the same time. It's not sustainable at all.
1: The, the grains in the hourglass are running out every single day, every second we talk, the end is, is looming closer.
0: What are the chances of us actually doing enough here? I see zero
1: reason to believe that the situation will change. We're at the highest point. Ever, we are experiencing extinction die-off rate that is 10,000 times faster than the natural path. It is simply a matter of how bad will it get. And, and people don't realize we only have two years, you guys. That I believe in in one thing. I believe in life. I believe in nature. I believe in this earth itself. Maybe, maybe I will go to my death believing that. But I would rather go to my death believing that than accepting that this is it. Solutions exist. This is in its own dark and twisted way is the greatest opportunity that we have ever had and as we come together i i really truly believe we can do this we can fix this we can truly create a utopia out of this doomsday scenario okay i'm getting nervous like i'm a kid on 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 a, a school play or something
2: right now we are individually
0: and collectively faced with the single That's just most important
1: like for uh, a longer episode where we really get into it about yeah, climate change
2: change the course and yeah. literally save the world
1: Let's do it. Let's save the world. We have to it's the intuitive path. It's the only path. Yeah. Check us out. Um, we, I think we have a really completely fresh perspective that it's not one ideology versus another. It's common sense. It's intuitive. It's, it's for me, it's a very spiritual work. It's the most spiritual thing that we can do is to change our systems because all of the, you know, we look at the hippie movement, or the conscious movement and we look at all these you know spiritual movements that have occurred in history they just end up kind of changing not they don't they don't they change things on the surface level but they don't really go for the, the deep root and even in our society today where you have spiritual people who have drank ayahuasca 30 times I met this cat working on the Marianne Williamson campaign and I won't name his name but he I was like he was like he mentioned ayahuasca and I was like wow you've done this 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 very special beautiful thing you drank from the fucking holy Grail I did that and he was like yeah I've done it 30 times, you know, maybe get on my level. And it was just like, maybe do it again with different people. Maybe check your ego next time. It's like, how can you drink ayahuasca 30 times and still just be an asshole, still be a total egotist? It's because those core beliefs are completely unquestioned. And every single aspect of our physical structural society reinforces individualism, disconnection, separation, and domination, which are not intuitive to who we are. But I, people think I'm crazy for talking like this, you know. <laughs> Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have a good sense of myself. I really don't. I just kind of, I just throw myself into these situations and I just do what I got to do. And I, hopefully, people are resounding to it. I think. I think it. It's a message that needs to come out. That we need to change, and we can. And it's not a. It's not aestheticism. It's not retreating. It's going forward. How do you feel about that, Frank?
2: <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really have any thoughts on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to ask emptiness to, to empty itself out. <laughs> um, yeah, just do whatever makes you happy, bro. <laughs> that's,
2: that's what I can say. <laughs> if you're doing something that's not hurting people and makes you happy and passionate about, then that's great. That's, that's the, that's, that's the thing.
1: I think I think it's strange to me that more people aren't don't feel called and I'll do it on Instagram I'll put out calls to action all the time like what are you doing you know what are you doing about this do you care about this or just saying like we have to do this we have to they know they is going to fix this and our world our way of life our children's futures are all going to end if we don't this is not a question this is a scientific certainty so it, it's strange to me that people don't feel... That they don't gravitate to this. They don't answer the call that 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 we we live in this period in our lives where the world is coming to an end in a way, you know, or our world is
2: the The way I look at it is just that, um there's no reason why people some people are into it, some others are not. It's just it's going back to causes and conditions, just the way it plays out right now that happens that the Zach character cares about this more than some of the characters and some of the characters care about their things. And I just just don't have any, I I guess, intellectual rationalization of why that is or why anything is. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm thinking in this moment, and I I guess this isn't a new thought, but I'm thinking that, you know, even if someone does meditate or take a psychedelic or go on a trip or something, That the media of our world the cultural matrix of our world not the deeper matrix of all duality but just this the belief system of our world the media that we watch the tv the movies all of this stuff is telling us a narrative about ourselves and i think it kind of flushes out the intuitive and it keeps things in this level where i think one people just they're just so disconnected from themselves They're truly depersonalized and selfless in, again, this weird inverted way where they're not truly selfless in the way that they're realizing that the self is empty, that there is no real them, that they're, you know, when they look in the mirror, they're looking at a bunch of particles and things like that. They're not realizing that on a deep level. They're just kind of, they haven't been introduced to or been thrust into the experience of life with enough vigor to really realize anything about themselves. So when you say you and I do this a lot on Instagram, you, yes, you, you have to take action or you're going to die and your children are going to die and everything around you is going to burn up. It's like people don't identify with those words, you. It's very strange. I'm just, I'm just, right now it's catching me with how strange that is, how weird it is that even in rampant self-interest, the self-interest of, okay, I want to live in a world. I want to have a planet to live on. I want this thing, this experience to go on they're not activated by that
2: I guess they're activated on by their own ways
1: but is it their ways or is it a, a, a societal depersonalization a conditioning a belief system that's been inserted into their brain
2: I mean regardless they' it's, it's' that <laughs> it's just that I don't know is there really a difference
1: hard to say I think there is, though. I definitely think there is a difference. I think there's, I don't, a difference. there's levels of simulation, you know? There's a simulation in a simulation. <laughs> and there's a simulation in the simulation in the simulation in the simulation.
2: See, but I don't think the world is a simulation. I mean, the simulation is simulating itself. It's not, it's it, whatever level it is, it's simulating itself.
1: Yeah, I think it it is uh, kind you of a like, I mean, it, of simulation. I think it's very real. It's very real. It, you know, it lacks substance or whatever. You know, it, it's in, it's it's our senses. You know, our senses kind of radically reducing all the particles and all the uh, basically sense data down to something that we can make sense of. In that way, it's it's simulation. But I think it's very real.
2: well. In that way, it's a simulation. But yeah, the, I guess it's, in a way, there's many different levels of simulation, all happening all the time. Um, but then at the same time, every simulation is itself. Because at, at, at whatever level it is, it's still just itself doing its thing. So you, I guess you could say that it's simulating itself. At the same time, it's it's simulating other levels. And all levels are simulating each other. So it's not just like, oh, there's this world and there's a copy of it. And then we're trapped in this matrix and we have to get out of it. It's, I think it's a lot more simple than that.
1: Well, yeah. There's a there's there's a a belief system, an economic system that is is endlessly self-maximizing, and seeks to leverage, uh, basically, basically it requires a, a slave class, a working class, wage slavery, and those people can't be intelligent enough that they kind of realize that that exists, and I think self-actualized people. This is why the hippie movement or the student movement. You know, the consciousness movement of the 60s and 70s was so dangerous that they literally shot people was because – and why psychedelics are illegal. Why just now psilocybin is being legalized because self-actualized people can't be controlled. They can't – they're not – they don't make good consumers. They don't make good workers. It's really hard. This has been one of the struggles of my life. It's been the greatest struggle blessing of my life that I'm a terrible worker for most people because I can't just shut my brain off and, like, box things and, you know – put things and swipe things and i just i'm not good at doing that and being a machine of productivity because i i i will i'll i'll see these fragments of myself in another person and it blasts me out into some on some other thing so there is a matrix and the matrix is a belief system that's current, con, constantly reinforced and engendered by these uh sort of incentive structures mm-hmm. monetary forms and things in our world
2: Sure. Yeah. The 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 matrix is the Maya. The Maya, maya would do anything to sustain itself, and, and the Maya is just a collective ego. It's it's, it's, it's operating on the same, under the same mechanism as as the ego, and anything that isn't part of the ego will automatically get demonetized. Sorry. Um. What's that word? Demoni- oh, demonized. Demonized. Yeah. Well, so no, it's like demonetized.
1: A no, really. Anything that doesn't, both,
2: it, both, it, both, yeah, that doesn't. function yeah. functioning
1: ego. It doesn't make money. It doesn't make money yeah. to fix climate change. It doesn't make money to feed the homeless and to help people. It doesn't make money to give people free health care or to, you know, uh, it's like solar energy. I read this fucking MIT paper the other day that was like, yeah, solar energy, as it becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, it will become unsustainable because we won't be able to continue making money off of it. It's like, that's why the world is the way that it is because of this very strange demon, demon, demoniacal, you know, materialization of ego, which is money.
2: Finding the uh, perfection in the imperfection.
1: Well, I do, I do, I do see that. I, I'm, I'm actually in love with the whole journey. I'm in love with the fact that I'm uh, alive at a point in history. Okay,
0: okay. So it's obvious. It's obvious. There's simultaneity. It's all already perfect and ineffable and non-dual. And yet, there's also the dualistic perfecting that's happening where it's shifting from egoic, contracted architectures and consciousness slave to money towards decentralized, liberated freedom, individual actualization, prosperity. It's just all simultaneity. That's all it is. But but the more that attention turns all the way inward and unites with its true nature, true essence, and focuses on the architectures that are next generation for the Gen Z and Generation Alpha for these next young people, that that's exactly sort of the mentality that we want, um, that's, that's, quote, going to make the most prosperity and um, abundance m- moving forward. Um, one thing yeah I love it one thing one thing was um, there's a question that I want to answer in the chat quick but um, but right prior to that um, I just want to say because this is probably this is directly linked to the question as well but is this what we were looking at earlier is it also related to the hyperbolic geometry? <laughs> Where in the hyperbolic geometry, um, Frank? Have you seen this before?
1: Uh, yeah. We scroll down a little bit. Scroll down. Oh, I like. I like. Uh, I, you can't see what I'm pointing at. Dang it!
0: <laughs> but you know the you know the style of uh, of geometry where it goes. You click to see this gold one. This gold one. Yes. It's,
1: it's circles. It's. No, 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 no. Um, other side right by the grid there we go click that oh that's lovely yeah that's really it it's all intermeshed you know it's all woven together is that is that
0: sort of similar the hyperbolic geometry view to um the indra's net and uh is that resonant for you and then you'll see this question frank is that resonant for you
2: yeah, I uh, saw the picture you showed us earlier about the the thousand eye, thousand arm Buddha. It's,
1: it's also yeah, pretty good. Picture. Avalokiteshvara.
0: Yeah, I love her, love it. Oh, All right, Campbell
1: he, talks about about Avalokiteshvara.
0: Yes, yes. Here's
1: a thousand faces.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. This fuck yes, yes, exactly, bro, exactly. Okay, here's the question. This is from um, Alexander um, Apostolov. Frank, how do you reconcile the computational leg between two codependent states in your consciousness that you perceive as to be codependent as everything is co-arising? What is the reconciliation mechanism? Frank, do you understand the question?
2: Like what is the A giving rise to B? What is the, the middle way, middle stage that causes A to... Uh, effect B is that the question?
0: I th- I think w- I think what the question is is around like if there is a is there a computational leg between codependent states in your consciousness? No, no, everything is arising simultaneously.
2: All sensations, everything. Uh, that's why I say at the ultimate level, even dependent origination is is just the concept. I mean, it's a, it's just another it's just a, a tool for you to access the natural state because in the natural state, I mean, there are links, sure, but the links are, it's, it's not like you stop and think about how oh, this causes that. These, during the contemplation, you can, but after a while, just things are just happening, right? You're you're just those webs and even that webs is, it's not like there's a time, there's, that's what we talked about earlier. It's not, it's not like there's a delay between uh, the cause and effect on the ultimate level, just like how Zach said that the, the film, when you edit a film, it's all laid out continuously. And it's all, is this simultaneously. So in a sense, in my experience, there's no lag at all between anything. Everything's happening
0: uh, without delay. So so there's that. And then this is the follow-up is because if there was no computational lag, there would be no space for consciousness to exist. No leftover entropy from building higher order control structures on top of each other.
2: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, on the relative level, there there is uh, sequences and, and, and cause and effect because there is time and space on the relative level, and um, yes, and then on the on the ultimate level, uh, consciousness not like that's why I said the knowing the consciousness not a space thing. It's not like you know consciousness space like, but it's not space. So that's why that's why the, the the thing we talked about earlier in the other episode, the knowing the empty cognition cognition of of things, the empty cognition, it's not really it's it's completely formless. Formlessness is, doesn't even have space, exactly. So I- even consciousness is deconstructed, right? So it's not like consciousness is this bubble yeah. where there is form and stuff. There's properties. So, in a sense, from that strict level, there's no consciousness. Yeah. So I guess I don't know if that answers that question. I, so I once think again, that it partly the, does. Yeah. The connections are computational lack of the universe. That's the limit of how the, can, How do you consider that? Well what connections are the computational lag of the universe that's the limit of how codependent
0: everything can be I, I don't understand that question i think what the indication is trying to talk about is the um <clears throat> how codependent everything can be is dependent on the computational lag and i and I don't know how the computational like plays in, like the maybe the refresh rate is something that we could maybe explore talking about where there's a greater refresh rate when you're more free. And if you're more contracted, oh, interesting. yeah, there's less interesting. of a refresh rate.
2: The, exactly, that's how the thing we were talking about earlier, how there, if there's no center, there's no agency, there's no doer, everything is, there's no delay. So there's no competition, there's no lag in a sense. There's no computational lack in a state of enlightenment. So you don't reconcile. You can reconcile can it before enlightenment. After enlightenment, you don't reconcile really any delay because there is no lag.
1: <laughs> it's it's interesting to say that because it's like when somebody is in that state of extreme, like poverty or deprivation or scarcity, where um, they're in that reactive state. They're just reacting to everything, and there's no latency or breath or frame or space between the thing that happens to them and their reaction, which is just it. It's in its own weird way. it's, it's it's water, you know, they're like water, they're being like water in the most sort of inverted and toxic sense that this depersonalized mindless public that is kept that way through the system is, you know, there is no latency between their interaction and their reaction to the world.
2: <laughs> um, I would say that, um, that, okay, there's, I guess there's three levels. First level is like there, there's even reaction itself, it, there's a process there there's a process that's yeah, there's a, there's a,
1: a, and a survival mechanism you know there's a lot of layers and a lot of lenses to understand it but yeah people just react something happens to somebody they react they don't stop and think and question the uh system that brought them there or the you know uh the codependent origination of of all the things that happened to get them there they just react they they are separated from you know the, the enmeshedness connectedness of everything into that one thing
2: that's very interesting because I think the um, the the awakened state is kind of like that. It's it's you just it's not like I wouldn't call it a reaction, but it just happened. It's like you don't stop and think about anything. You don't you don't even try to observe thoughts. So in in a sense, the the, the awakened state and the completely non awakened state is almost exactly alike, except it's completely different. And the analogy that I always use is watching TV versus being in the TV. You can watch the TV and react to the TV, but if you're in the movie, you don't. It's like the movie is just happening. Without, in a way, it's a, it's a, it's a it's kind of like reacting to things because you don't think about anything, but things are still happening. So it's like it's the, the reaction it's that like unfolds through. But the, it's, it's harmonized. Like one thing it, it's reacting
1: harmonized. It's the same thing. It's that, react. It's a wheel. Yeah, it's a perfect yeah. It's yeah, spinning.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the same thing reacting to itself. To itself. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah,
1: it's not a cube. It's not a, a, a billiard ball being hit right. by the cue into something else. It's just it's like perpetual motion.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a just. Is
1: and I think that's that's kind of the state that we can all attain, you know, in every aspect of our life. Okay. Okay. This
0: is this is a great w- way to bring this in to what you were just sharing, which is that, you know, Alexander shared this as well, the dimension in which your enlightenment exists is fundamentally a control structure in of itself that has a leg due to the principle of entangled complexity, which you can Google quantum mechanics is the leg. So one of the ways that you can potentially um, view the seven and a half billion people or however many people feel like they might have a more contracted energy in that maybe feel like they're slaves to the economic system. They don't and feel anything. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's something there that is so also interesting, not only on an, like on a conscious uh, becoming conscious or becoming aware and gaining metacognition and then pursuing truth or enlightenment or whatever, mm-hmm. but that even on a, on just a, on a, <clears throat> on a fundamental even physics or energetic level that there's a degree of there's a degree of contraction versus a degree of liberation and Mm -hmm. we're we're figuring out yeah and we're figuring out what's going on here as well in terms of the connectomics when you look at eeg or fmri and you look at things that these biomarkers that show you if people are in more coherent states of consciousness or or dissonant states of consciousness. So a dissonant state is very anxious, depressed, contracted. Um, And so there's a lower quantum mechanical something that we have to figure out, like something that's going on there, versus when there's potentially, maybe it's potentiality is a big part of it. The potential, like the little like in um, quantum mechanics, you see there's probabilities, right? And so you have greater probabilities and less contraction when the awakened states are present. And so then the biomarkers are around coherence; they're around; they're more around flow; they're less around anxiety. And so that spontaneous expression that that Frank keeps talking about it it only comes from knowing mind nature, knowing mind essence. It only comes from rikpa. It only comes from this natural state of seeing everything as the dependent origination, as the single one Intelligence endlessly, infinitely at play with itself, and that's what enables the expression to be pure service. Um, but on a on a level of sort of getting there, the contracted energy goes on these things like hero's journeys when it sees that it can liberate itself to greater possibilities. Like there's a there's a bio biometric shift inside of you that happens in your nervous system when you do shift into pursuing the hero's journey or similarly when you um, become aware of yourself watching your thoughts, like the metacognition. So you basically get a a central nervous system upgrade. Frank talks about this like this contemplative AI that starts kicking in more and more and more over time. And so you you gain more sovereignty and and more awareness of the thought clouds appearing and disappearing and then you get this again, there's like this decontractive shift where now, like you were saying on the when Marlo started the show, that as soon as the train comes to a stop and is being delayed, all you do is go. And because you're not reactive, you're not impulsive, you're not. Contracted, and so there, there is a deep, deep um, relationship with energy, um, and that we're discovering on a level of quantum mechanics that is still blowing people's um, minds. That everything is this no thing that is appearing as something at play with itself is just fucking insane. Um, and so now there's the differentiation between contraction versus liberation. Definitely. yeah I That's was just definitely say, a, a
1: thing it's, I was just gonna say the difference between just to put all that into a very practical kind of sense it's like the difference between anxiety and freedom is very thin it's it's razor thin. I mean it's really a perspective shift that it's like okay, I lost my job or I broke up with my my girlfriend, my partner It's this thing happened to me that set me off what I thought was my path and and the problem in that situation is, Life spreading out in probabilities that it out far outnumber the radical reduction of what we thought was life, was, was the trajectory, was my purpose. I was supposed to do this, blah, blah, blah. All these rationalizing insanities that keep us from basically clinging to that one thing that isn't anymore. Oh, I was supposed to get to the train on time. And then we start to get anxious. Whereas it's like, okay, I'm not going where I thought I was supposed to go or I have this road sprawled out in front of me. You know, I could go anywhere. I could do anything. That's the shift is in seeing in that moment of latency. It's it's instead of not to create this arbitrary duality of either you go here or you go here. But I think this exists on a biochemical level that it's like when someone feels safe when their needs are met or when they are even in a place where their needs are not met, but their deeper sort of sense of self is sort of insulated in that kind of myelin sheath, that insulative protective layer that pre- that allows them to look at that expanse of the world out there above them not as an oppression of possibilities that they can't fathom and control but an adventure of of endless possibilities anything could happen and it's like i think when you really step into that place that adventure of anything can happen the script it starts to write itself like the ai it starts to write itself you start to see this is scripted this is too perfect this is too good you know And and your intentions and, you know, to get into manifestation and all these things that have been totally co-opted to become like, you know, selfishness and I want this car and I want this material thing and I want my success and blah, 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 blah. When you set this pure intention, you know, reality itself around you changes to sort of meet that in a very freaky way and synchronicities start to pop up. And I think those synchronicities on, on this adventure of life, you know, they're like, they're like the little clues, or they're like they're like uh, crystal gems, or whatever the whatever the structure of the video game that our existence is that lets us know that we're going in the right direction when things just seem meant to be. And it's impossible to say that to somebody who goes around with this belief system that life is oppressive, life is meaningless. You know, there's no God, there's no you know anything beyond what we can observe materially, even though quantum physics is is you know breaking the breaking the the uh, roof off of all of that. Of all of that reductive thought that we've proven that there's no God. We have science. What The fuck are you talking about? Quantum physics has proven that everything we thought we knew we don't. And that's liberating. That shouldn't scare you because it breaks your narrow conception of what you thought was. We have only to discover how limitless we truly are.
2: You know, I like the last thing you said about, um, yeah, we just don't really know what the fuck is going on. That's freedom. um, yeah, so, yeah, just the difference, like you said, the difference between anxiety or the ego versus, you know, infinity or the state of God is just the contraction and expansion of uh, sensations and energy. That's all there really is to it, you know, it's the same sensation, it's the same particles, it's the same energy. When it's contracted, it's the ego, when it's expended, it's, um, you know, Christ consciousness or whatever, you know, yeah, Hello. and yeah.
1: God yeah, love, and or, love, know, love God emergent reality. you know i'm sure there's a there's a a, a sanitized you know uh, scientific way to put that okay um, if
0: if if the nature really truly boils down to this is all one intelligence exploring infinite potential the universe is a mechanism for us to explore some of it and then as that the zero point energy or the no thing As it fluctuates in its expression, in its manifestation, into something, into this play that this is, that there are individuated, contracted, egoic separate energies that don't know their first link nature of knowledge. And then there's the other expression, which is, Completely decontracted, completely liberated, completely expansive, completely free, because it knows the first link, which is knowledge of mind essence. That's what is, that's potentially what this whole, if that is this whole fabric of what this looks like, then the most, it seems like the most important thing that can happen is to incrementally shift people or even rapidly if possible to shift people from contracted to expansive and entheogens are one of the best fastest ways to like open that up but there's also um, you know there's things like microdosing on on magic mushrooms for a single gram that can that can begin that opening process that are 100% safe
1: um, well, but also just meeting people's basic needs and be, and really meeting food.
0: people's yeah and meeting you know, people based often try
1: to seek yes. this sort of medicinal cure all fix but, but, but i but i also I, fundamentals I,
0: yes 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 and the, the, and those are those are crystal clear given um i would i would go more into the realm right now of seeing who are the people on the planet that have the most wealth and influence and that, or media, um, again, influence, or that run the largest corporations or that are the um, presidents of countries, this type of stuff. And I would see if there are ways to shift their expression from the contracted separate to the expansive infinite free and to see their fellow employees and their million followers as actually their brothers and sisters, because that creates a faster i feel like as you meet basic needs from the bottom up you can also create the top down consciousness expansion that then makes the architectures that already exist like we're talking about the presidents that run countries across the world or the fortune 500 ceos or the you know there's there's 2200 billionaires you know how many of them have ever tasted uh, uh, uh anything that's transpersonal a hundred 200 okay.
1: here's an interesting thing that grimes uh the uh <laughs> wife of uh elon musk is apparently very into dmt and she's actually bought an island this may be total hearsay he's bought an island to basically grow or you know raise the toads that uh, produce 5 mao dmt so it's what's very interesting to me and i've experienced i've seen this before you know i've seen people take you know, very powerful substances, ayahuasca included, which I used to think, you know, oh, if everybody just took ayahuasca, or if everybody took acid, we would be beyond this. But it's like, for some reason, I'm 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 reminded of a, a debate I had years ago with a friend of my mom's, who was this very deeply conservative, has this very abhorrent worldview, and I I roundly like beat him in this debate, or not beat him, but we got I got him to the to realize like, okay, this is what you're actually advocating. This is the penultimate. You know, end of your worldview, your system is the extraction of all resources into the hands of the smallest percentage of people, in with the with the opportunity cost of a dead Earth, and those small people get into spaceships and they go to Earth and they flee, and leave everyone else to die. And he was basically just like, "You're right. You're actually right." He said that. He said, "You're right." You know, the unthinkable in a debate, and then we just. Buddied out and had fun, but you know what happened after that was he went back into his life where he's surrounded by people who know him as a person who has these views, and then he goes back to his job where he has to treat his employees in a certain number way. He goes back to his social system, his, his uh, you know politics, his party, his all of these things that continually reinforce him to back into that beliefs, that belief that he has. So these people in this powerful position, if they had some awakening and uh you know shifted began to shift things toward a certain degree because I think that this is the problem with thinking that even even an individual with massive power cannot basically override a system around them so i i don't think i don't know i think we but we need to work on people at all levels because it's not like rich good poor bad i think at the very highest You study people's brains, they're rigid, contracted. They're not, they actually stop uh, registering the emotions of people around them if they have enough power, wealth, and influence. And the same thing of people at the very bottom of wealth, that they are in that, you know, rigid, contracted state. So it's like we need to work on people at all levels and realize we're all victims of culture. That there are, there is, that the reason the way the world is isn't because of individualized moral failures or individualized moral salvation. It's because of this system the the social system and the incentive structure that has been placed into this world that makes it the way that it is so it basically we are operating on an algorithm we have an ai that is running our world that is basically converting life into debt life into profit and we need to change that we need to change that system and how we go about doing that is really the hardest question of all we need to basically reprogram our collective ai and realign it with this natural principle with natural law essentially and create you know and we can use ai to do that we don't need markets yeah. and things like that to ma- to manage uh resources we we have oh. the technology to make that question of like oh who, put, who are you putting in charge of that we have an ai that we survey the, the resources that exist in the earth this is a resource-based economy we survey the resources that exist on our earth we have an artificial intelligence an ai or you know just even an algorithm or computer a calculator <coughs> that you know Basically moderates and manages resource use, production, development, and you know, essentially uses that to meet the needs, not the base needs, not the number of calories that are needed, the real spiritual, uh, personal, humane, uh, culinary, all the needs of humanity to the point where we're all operating at our best level, to where we are all functioning at a place where we're all able to co- to collectively work together in society to evolve things beyond fossil fuels, beyond these rustic, you know, antiquated thousand-year-old financial systems and mercantile systems of trade and all this shit and get us to the point where we're working to bring everybody there. There's no guillotine that's needed. There's no person that is beyond fixing and changing, but it requires a collective shift. It takes a village. It takes people being surrounded and, and uh, conditioned and nurtured at all sides so that they don't lapse back into the old way of thinking because it's so deep. The thing about the uh,
2: whatever that guy asked me about. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love
1: the, uh, the Atlas. Oh, yeah. are so, we We have three people that are
0: so weird here. You're like the straight um, man. <laughs> the, the, uh, so the, I this to him. Do, I this to is to him. This is him, Frank. Uh, yeah. Alexander Al- 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 mentioned Al- he enjoyed play our play three convos. Play. Yeah.
2: No, I wanted to answer his question. I I, I didn't. I didn't answer his question about. Um, He says something about quantum mechanics, and like I can Google it. See, I I want to point out the the distinction between the direct experience of realization and the mechanics of it, because like like, yeah, this question because it's 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 it's, it's kind of like asking when Sam Ball is sprinting really fast and he's in that zone where he's like sprinting like nine seconds uh, to <laughs> cover 100 meters. He's not gonna think about the mechanics of that. He's not gonna look in his muscle and look at his, his the, the cells and be like mm, what's making my speed happen? I think that's a really big confusion um, between between uh, the, the whole the system of science and the ex- direct experience of the manifestation of uh, realizations.
0: I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Okay. What one 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 more time the difference between the scientific approach versus the realization by direct experience is what? Yes, yes. I, I think it's is one what? of the most is what it's, though? It's, is based on what?
2: It's it's one of the most mis,
0: uh misunderstand
2: misunderstood uh differences on the path.
0: No, I know, but what was your what was your like core essence of how to differentiate when somebody is understanding the nature based on um, quantum mechanics or entanglement versus yeah yeah yeah.
2: Oh well it's like we were saying boss sprinting the directive experience of running hundred meter dash in nine seconds versus reading a book about it or dissecting the muscles uh, and look for the mechanics of what gives rise to the speed. That's the difference.
0: Oh yeah. what, oh oh I see.
2: Okay. What yeah oh interesting. I, I okay. was just trying to point out that question oh. is completely relevant to to awakening. <laughs> that's so cool yeah so because all his questions are based on the presumption that direct experience is the same as the mechanics of direct experience but they're not they're on two different levels i just want to make that clear because i can't answer that question because i don't know what gives rise to this i don't have no clue how this is infinite like is it the brain or is it like quantum mechanics is it like what nerves gives rise to this i don't care doesn't it's not relevant to the well, it's, it's,
1: it's like frank you said you said uh the, one of the first questions i asked you when we started filming because frank and i've been working on a, a the, the frank frank yang the movie for quite some time now <laughs> and we were in the gym and i had you know i kind of had an idea i was i'm an idealist that's my stance that's my where's where i'm at and i was like frank what came first mind or matter and i was kind of expecting him to say oh of course mind comes first not matter and he said oh, yes, yeah. neither you basically said that the body is the brain and and I, I think that's a beautiful way of kind of uh, putting it into the most the meatiest way of uh, kind of understanding that that the the you know mind that's- and matter they need each other they are creating each yeah, other they, like say yes, the matrix the material world is the computer it's the hardware the software is consciousness
0: like how would you have a conscious experience well, without you know- a, a world or like a reality for it to. Um, experience. And then also, how would you have a world exactly. or a reality without consciousness? consciousness yeah. to experience It's such a simple thing. Once you get the realization, yeah. it's so simple. It's like a child. It's like explain like I'm five. It's so simple. Once you get that materialism yeah. or physicalism and consciousness or awareness are one thing. It's so yeah. simple. Once you it's get that, so they're simple, one thing. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, so simple.
2: it's just like how understanding dependent origination just answers at least a lot of questions about why this happens. Why is this happening? How is this happening? Um, it's the same with what you just said about how mind and matter are one, and you just stop analyzing what comes first. Does it break <laughs> or does the mind create consciousness? What is consciousness, right? Like at some point, all that stuff just becomes like mental masturbation, and you just don't think about it.
1: Yeah, you just kind of—it just I kind of makes sense. I, you just get it, really. It that's
2: just it. Of, it just just it, yeah. You just like once you get it, you don't you don't analyze it anymore because you don't analyze what you already understand.
0: The questioner dissolves. dissolves. Yeah, the, yeah, the questioner question dissolves. dissolves.
2: The both the, the, the answer and the question dissolve.
1: Well, the yeah. questioner dissolves, and but I think the <laughs> curiosity remains, and and there's only curiosity driving it. Yeah, and that's yeah like,
0: sure. That's like, like curiosity, like you could, the curiosity the is that what we are. That drove it yeah. to know itself and then it Continuous. ends and then it ends to know yourself completely and then you dissolve your urge the fire. And the, the seeking it, it does, it's not the the seeking ends, but then the, the knowing deepens. Yeah. yeah.
2: Right, right, exactly. The the, the yeah. unfoldment deepens after you stop trying to figure it out with the mind. That's why I always say to God realize, you have to make God disappear. To realize the self, you make the self disappear to realize anything you absorb it transcendent. then you don't see it anymore well, if Car- you're still talking Young about was, something-
1: Carl Jung was talking about the ego um is there's a really beautiful uh talk by Alan Watts where he talks about Carl Jung and he actually knew Carl Jung so he's like he's like oh yes Carl was this way and he was this way and he talks about he had this glimmer in his eye this uh ir- element of irreducible rascality where he understood intuitively like that all humans are capable of all good and bad at the same time that he didn't judge people like that. Oh, there was a really specific thing that he was saying that he said, Oh yeah. He said in dealing with a patient who is suffering from an ego, you can't diminish the ego. You can't break it up. Like you're breaking up a kidney stone or something. You have to basically encourage it and push it to the end. You have to push it to anentiodromia. Anentiodromia was his exactly. term. The beautiful, big, beautiful 10 syllable word the enantiodromia is when you push something so far in one direction it goes all the way around oh, to right, the other right. totally and it's totally
0: like, that's exactly that's, the that's point that's what we're yeah.
1: doing with our system in this world the 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 enantiodromia of you know expansion and extraction and selfishness self-interest we're doing this to the world where we need to really just come out the other side we need to we need to continue Pushing this self-interest to the point where we realize self-interest is to fundamentally value the life of everyone around you. That you personally have a lot more to gain from everyone around you coming up with you and gaining with you. And that that we can't even imagine our potential right now with this master slave dynamic that is limiting the vast majority of human beings from from having from even being able to fathom a conversation like this. You know, like like if they were yeah, hearing that's this, would... It would just it would just insult them It would they'd just be like, oh, I feel stupid or I'm not smart enough for this when everyone is smart enough to have these conversations. and That's why we're here to sit here and just just giggle and and, you know, dig into the festoon, glimmering, glowing guts of what it is to be and to ask these big essential questions of like, just why not why this, why that, why, why do I exist or why do I why? You know, just taking these questions apart and, and figuring out really better questions to ask. We can't ask those questions and answer them and, until we basically wake down, all of us. We can't wake all, all the way up until we wake all the way down. We can't wake all the way down until we wake all the way up. So it's like this, this cycle, the, I, that, that, uh, the geometry, that, that image really stuck with me of those intertwining snakes, you know, of the darkness kind of forming the light and the bad forming the good and all of it kind of coming together coalescing into this beautiful story that the the beginning of which is the seed of the end and the end there'd be no beginning without an end and there's really no end endless sequels you know endless uh, spin-offs endless new the, tales new journeys new adventures
2: um that's why i think the the point you made about just exhausting the ego until he blows up i think that's why that's why i don't think i think nature of course correct itself so like that's we why if you push
1: we are nature and we that's, are the correction
2: yeah so that's why if you keep pushing capital to the end point and it's going to deconstruct itself and that's what well, that's what's happening right now all those movements that you're talking about all those like you know collective awakening that's happening is because of that and it's we because, are nature yeah, it's, So it's,
1: it's because it's it's adapt or die. i mean and that's mutation and fuckery and, and mistakes are the keystones of evolution as we know it. I don't think we really understand evolution that well. I mean, I think natural selection is a silly thing. I mean, ecosystems evolve together. They evolve a role that is needed for the collective to exist within. So it's like, but, but evolution, you know, that mutation, that thing that comes out, that seems like a mistake, the thumb, the extra digit, you know? There was was an ape that evolved this extra digit, and did they make fun of him? Were they like, what are you? You freak? And he's like, oh, no, it makes me better. That we are at a point where we have evolved this tumorous growth of all this crazy excess and waste and destruction, and all of it can be used and channeled and recycled into something that we can't imagine.
2: Oh, yeah. I got to read my basketball post real quick before
0: I – I I have to go – uh, yeah, let, let's wrap. Yeah, we will wrap. Um, let me also just pull it up because I have it. Um, because yeah, I think okay. this
2: relates to everything we we're talking about. So it's like the last video, we could sum it up with just something that's more organized. Okay, um, hold on. Well, hold I on. Sent you, so, I sent you the... I, I, I sent you the I know, baby. What, what,
0: what, I, what I want to do is I want people to watch this first. Do Should they watch the video first, Frank? Or do you want no. to read the post?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't really mind this whatever. I mean, it's not really okay. related. Okay. But well, no,
0: well, it's somewhat related a little bit. But anyway, okay, let's give them, let's give them. Yeah. What am I watching? <laughs> okay, yeah. This is Frank Yang's dreamscape. It's beautiful.
2: I mean, I just kind of downloaded I mean, I, I edited it a little bit. So, so I'll just read the post real quick. Okay,
0: all right, all right. So this is at, at least you have this for background. Okay, so now here's the post. You can read it from here if you want, yeah.
2: I'll read it. Okay, so I turned on the TV to watch an NBA game for the first time in a decade. Today's NBA is like a video game that constantly updates itself with players that have no identities, Yeah, they're scoring more points than All-Stars from the past generations. Team Star Joe's 20 years ago made it to the playoffs and deep, deep ball deep, deep into it, dominated by players that are anonymous unless you follow the game. All superstars are limited from the playoffs. Later, I turn on the TV and watched the NBA Finals. I was like, who the fuck are those players? Man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of after on Kari, the Anonymy enters the Matrix, accumulating with Kobe's death and the potential we're now inside an alternative universe the game has been moved from big man dominating in the center to beyond the three-point line players are no longer confined to their specific roles and all positions are Mm shape-shifting superstar athletes like consciousness of the buddha sorry superstar athletes of consciousness like (laughs) buddha christ and gurus like mjs are a thing in the past there are no dynasties. anyone can win a championship now Likewise, thanks to the internet, enlightenment is not available to the common man. Some of the most infinite accounts I know are not teachers or gurus, but normies with no followers or profile pics. Meditators are the athletes of consciousness. When you reach the endpoint, there's nothing but the universe flexing in itself. Locke Kelly said that the first glimpse he had of 4K 360 awareness, which is the nature of mind, was when he was playing sports. If, ever, every, if every NBA player attained non duality, their game would be next level. Panoramic core vision by default, even when you're fucking. Athletic abilities and consciousness levels are evolving <laughs> side by side. Sprinters are getting faster, bodybuilders are getting more juicy and thoughts of bigger glutes. Slam down contests and sneakers are more psychedelics than ever. Different players have their own unique styles to accomplish the same goal, which is putting the ball in the basket. Different practices from different traditions and uh, different ideologies lead to different phenomenological and perceptual shifts at the end. Uh, and different flavors of realization and mystical experiences all lead to enlightenment, which has no levels. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's just- I, I'm I doing just, my PowerPoint presentation, bro.
1: I delight in every every utterance, every every letter, every uh, intonation, the way that you jiggle when you do it, <laughs> I just love you, man. I love your ability <laughs> to uh pursue a metaphor until it's into until an it's entiadromia to really do like we did in the laundromat and the laundromat to really like find the infinite in the mundane. And that for me is like my ultimate spiritual practice is filmmaking because it's like I was talking to Atlas before you jumped on, uh, we thought you were having a like a monstrous poop. Um, and I know how you poop, so we, we're not going to go into it now, but you know, it's like getting them, getting a oh, yeah, you
2: film my Mason pooping.
1: Yeah, it was good. You'll see it someday world. But, uh, like for me to my meditation, my external meditation is looking at the world through the camera and zooming into these little, these little small details that are expressive of, you know, the immensity of everything, you know, that you find the infinite in anything. If you zoom in close enough and getting into the macro lens gets you even closer to that, where you see a pile of dust and that's the entire galaxy. That's the entire universe that exists within you. That 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 that's for me is 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 to look outward and to see to seek that in everything and your ability to see that to see infiniteness in basketball players running around a screen which to me would just be completely absurd I would I wouldn't I would have to really struggle to find that you know and I think that's so wonderful uh, that our, our we're, we're specialized in that we're specialized in this essentialized role of awareness becoming aware of itself that we all perceive something that others wouldn't. That they- I think
2: filmmaking is very interesting because like when you look at the, as a director, as a, as a person watching the film, it's kind of like non, it's kind of like uni locality. It's kind of like just consciousness just floating around. Right. Because when, you know, it doesn't take a, pers- sometimes it does, but it doesn't really take a perspective of, you know, one specific character so much as like, you know, how the, the, the cut of the movie is kind of like a dream where you just kind of decentralize. you know, there's, there's this. A- the camera is here, and I was there, and I was there, and I was there, and I was inside their mind, I was outside. There, I was there's a air helicopter shot, and I was this and that. So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like the clinical witness, you know, the watching the movie is kind of being, participating in the God witness in a sense, well, and then you're you're doing it with the finite through the mundane and, and the infinite through the finite, blah blah blah. blah.
1: For me, it's <laughs> like it's a, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it's you're creating something. You're creating a myth and a narrative out of reality that wasn't there before or was always there waiting to be realized. And it's like it's it's truly a quantum process that changes things. When you take out the camera, I was talking about this with a friend today. Even if you don't release what you have shown because the the vast majority of the stuff I've shot, and Frank and I have fucking hours and hours and hours of awesome shit that we're going to release someday, you know, about how Frank Yang became this thing how I became this thing through Frank Yang becoming this thing, et cetera. You know, it's like, even without viewing the movie, the the sheer process of whipping the camera out and this focused form of observation, of gazing into reality intentfully with an intent to find meaning in it, with an intent to find that you're going to find it even if it isn't there. And that's it. it's a quantum process that splits these particles into waves. And it changes the outcome of reality, not even just at what you focus on. When you bring the camera out, when you bring intention into your life, not just—it's beyond the metaphor of the camera. When you intentionally cultivate awareness, life outside of you, of your own individualized, localized perception, shifts and changes to meet you where you are, to find you, and to connect with you. That's why we're having this conversation right now. It's a really strange thing that I messaged Frank Yang on Instagram two years, two or three years ago. You know, and Frank connected Atlas and I. We started messaging each other on Instagram. We've had very, a very, you know, t- frail connection as opposed to you know. Most people who talk, they meet each other at work. They ha- they talk to somebody, see them every day, but they don't have a conversation like this. They don't connect at this level. And that's what we're being limited from, that we're not all able to have these conversations at this deep heart level, that we're not able to puncture the veil of the mundane, that we live in this mundane world, but it's not. It's amazing. It's a miracle. It's incredible. It's unfathomable that we exist the way that we do. And I just want to see everyone get there. And, I, and until until uh that i think that's the, the bodhisattva you know that, that you could you could achieve enlightenment and die and and pass on or or emerge blissfully but it, that's it's no fun if you can't bring others with you is it it's, fun. it's all fun
0: yeah amen amen beautiful all right do you guys feel like we're good like that was a solid rap. Yeah, but the thing is though, <laughs> you
2: don't it, you, you don't you don't zoom into the poop from you don't zoom into the poop and and, and then find the
1: the divine. You got to know that that it's there.
0: But no, it's already think-
2: there. It's already you know you just, 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 just
0: Frank, you disconnected your your mic. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, so you yeah. don't you don't you don't
2: really need to zoom in and then see the particles to find the divine in the infinite.
1: Well, it's but this, this, that, that's this, just, just, this. just the lens to get there, you know? That's just that's oh yeah, that's that's the that's the, that's the, the, that's that's the, the first yeah, step yeah. out the door. It's already there. It's already there, it's waiting for yeah, you that, to find it. It's already scripted. People, the adventure uh, is sometimes
2: people get sometimes people spend too much time on the uh, uh, on the on the on the zooming when they should be just
1: you gotta get a. You gotta. You got. You need a zoom, and you need a wide angle, baby. You need to keep that. <laughs> <Yeah. light. laughs>
2: uh, you know, you know, you know this movie. Have you seen this movie called? Um, I forgot what it's called, but it's just like a static shot of like super wide angle, and there's just characters moving there. And there's no, there's no centralized story. There's, yeah, no, there's no, no, there's no. sat on
1: a and on eternity or something or infinity. Amazing, beautiful. Uh, beautiful. About the
2: endlessness. About endlessness. Have you seen it about
1: endlessness. Uh, the movie's The same director. Called- He's got a trilogy. I haven't seen that one yet.
2: Yeah, that movie, man, it's so it's it's the perfect analogy, it's the perfect representation of Nirvana and Samsara, infinite and the finite. It's the perfect analogy. I think it's the more perfect analogy of the of enlightenment than Matrix or Truman Show or anything like that. Watch this trailer. Watch this thing. This is this is so good. The entire movie is this just character. like the, the, yeah, the framing and the, yeah. So anyways, beautiful. Just, just watch the trailer. There's no centralized characters. There's no story. Just things happening. It's Just completely absurd and random. And then you're just like this floating witness that's just like have <laughs> no purpose. <laughs> but it's super beautiful too, you know? And everybody is everybody chorus.
1: Yeah, it, it gets you to see the world that you uh, overlook every day for its absurd beauty. Because th- the world is beautiful, you know? It is beautiful how it is. You know, without cha- it, without just change. You know, saying we need to move beyond this w- ugly world as it is to the to the world that is good. That is a duality, but it's like, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's all beautiful. Really. It's all beautiful. Even even the tragedy is beautiful, and then it forms it in this non linear way that it's like you can't have the beautiful without the unbeautiful. You know, and they're they're completely interlinked. They're not one mm-hmm. and the other ping pong ball bouncing back and forth between them. It, it it is interlinked and I think any uh in, in back in that in that um Carl Jung video uh that that um
0: oh that's such that's so good bro what you got no,
1: you gotta watch the whole you gotta watch the whole movie, you watch the movie really good
0: we, we are bro that no that's a, for sure definitely gonna watch that holy shit Rook, what that's what I mean is, you don't need to
2: what? zoom in because it's like right there
0: what
1: what did you just say I was switching I'm it ain't worth it. Oh I was saying that that
0: uh, in this in did that you, Carl Jung that wait, Alan Watts video on Did Carl you just Jung. Did, did you just say that this is a representation of like the Jim Newman non-duality? <laughs> No, I
2: said that movie is a really good representation of how, how of over the enlightened state. Nirvana is samsara. That you don't get away from the suffering of life. You you find you find bliss and beauty in the suffering of life. They exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you zoom in anything or you go out into the outer world. Them in the midway stages, yes, you go into the god Consciousness and DMT trip. But 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 see, that movie is a better representation of non-duality then like you yeah. know uh, movies like matrix or like even truman show or like those trippy movies where you then, um, oh you go oh the interesting that's what I, that's yeah that's
0: an but, example
2: yeah what I'm using, yeah,
0: yeah but yeah but is it more efficient for collective awakening to um prioritize the dissemination of movies like about endlessness that shows people the direct end goal that samsara and nirvana are one or i don't think or, so. maybe yeah yeah so that's the question because it does seem like in a sense when i watch a video of people showing me that i'm a sheep until i become aware of my thoughts um that is like Fuck, i need to become aware of my fucking thoughts you know um yeah, yeah, and, Yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. I,
1: I kind of think that in, in for, you know, again, rooting it in my own experience, my own art as a movie maker, it's about the middle passage, and it's about making films that, you know, show people, you know, the beauty of the world as it is, the real true beauty, showing them something they've seen a million times in their life with magic in it, but also showing, the you know, using that that deeper allure, that deeper interest that if we take this interest in our world, we see it's it's beautiful beyond our wildest dreams and it's it was always there it's not around the horizon it's not like after the revolution life gets wonderful it's already wonderful and the process of getting there is wonderful but yeah i do think we really need to focus people's attention their awareness it's not just cultivating awareness of awareness itself cultivating that awareness to the fact that this way of life is wrong is 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 diversive is discursive is destroying us and that's what's destroying us it's not reality itself eating itself in a raw, random raw crazy way there's a purpose to it and it's, it's it's a state of unconsciousness that we're living in that that it's we live in an insane universe that says there is good and evil and that there are good people and bad people you know we we need to transition to this non-dual sense of being a sense of fluidity of who we are that we aren't one individualized frame of a person we're the whole movie We're the person that changes through time and that each person, whether they start out this point, this moment of where awareness is is gained as the villain or the hero or the baby, you know, we can all get back there together. We have that fluidity. We have that adaptability in us because that's essentially who we are. We're fluid. We are all the frames. We're not stopped on any one frame. We're not the beginning or the end. We're the whole movie. We're the whole... You know, bliss of the experience and the and the remembrance of that experience. Making movies is a, is my psychedelic. It's my drug. It's my and it's my meditation. It's it's consistently what gleans. I glean these insights from by just awareness, raw awareness. Saying, okay, I'm staring at something and I don't see meaning in it. I need to find the meaning because it's there. If I can't see it, it's just because I'm not looking hard enough. I'm not right. I'm not using the right the Michael Kors I love Frank too. I'm a big Frank fan. <laughs> oh, I love man. you Michael. Yes. Kors,
2: you are my hero.
1: Michael oh, is that, uh, the, the hero you see Frank <laughs> Michael Kors you could be.
2: Michael Kors that guy from fitness. There's a there's a there's a channel called Michael Kors Fitness and he was making recipes with his mom or something. <laughs>
0: Um,
1: and, yeah. <laughs> hippie guy. Yeah, baby.
2: <gasps> I don't think that guy's hippie, man. He's like a he, he plays a role as the role that the the like the sorority boy.
0: No, Michael's talking about M- Marlo. <laughs>
2: oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought he was talking about Michael Court.
0: <laughs> I think he's
2: talking about Marlo.
1: Yeah, I I I'm no stranger oh, okay. to that word. Yeah. I don't fight it anymore. It's fine.
2: Bro, I gotta go eat lunch soon, man. I haven't eaten all day. It's three, <laughs> three p.m.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've been going for two hours. We've been going for a long ass director's cut of a movie. It's
0: good. Yeah. Frank Alexander would be interested in um, chatting more, so maybe we can uh, <clears throat> check on IG or whatnot. I love you him. too, bro. Yeah, I'll love add you email <laughs>
2: me, Y'all can, you can link my, uh
0: you can,
1: you can link my Instagram here. Anybody who wants to, wants to talk wrong or right or whatever wants to talk. I'll talk to anybody. I love people. I love, this is why we do this, you know, for other people. I, I, it's, it's, it's part, part way to, you know, get into a crazy feedback loop with, with these two wonderful, you know, humans, these two wonderful experiences, but it's like, it's, yeah, it's about connecting with other people. So please reach out. Frank, we got to get together soon, baby. We got to make this movie. We got to go to Europe. We got to go to Asia. We got to go to Africa. We got to we gotta travel. We got to go to India. Come on. We got to do it. We will. We got to finish What's the it? Frank Gang journey. Sure. Hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: you got to train me. You got to yoke me up. You got to get me jacked. You got
0: to teach me how to eat.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll work out together. Alice, I'm going to come. Are you going to be in LA? You're leaving for Europe soon, so how yes. long are you going to
0: be in LA? Yes, bro. Um, probably a, a, about a, another month or so. And um, this was a this was very powerful. Like uh, just really honing in on like basic needs was really strong. Also honing in on architectures and decentralization was really strong. And and um, just our play together, us three, was really strong and. It was cool because we also went into the craziness of dependent origination, but we also went to um explore a lot of mainstream stuff in this collective awakening episode. Marlo, this was a great first show together. Loved to having you on, brother. It was really yeah, anytime. Cool. Anytime. Really I cool. l- I
1: really live for this kind of conversation, this kind of talk. This is really we were talking on the phone before about like when you find your thing, nothing else compares, you know? Nothing else feels as good as expressing yourself, you know, and and doing your part to serve this higher purpose, this higher sense of love of connection of you know, the infinite. And always here to always here for that.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. And you guys can you check you out bro. Yeah. I love you. For passion, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love you so much. Yeah, the passion's lit, bro. You got it rolling under under you strong. And we have uh, the links in the bio below again to Marlo's YouTube channel. Also his Instagram. You can go and give him a follow, subscribe, watch his content. Um, We'll have Frank's info down there as well. And maybe we will be producing more content soon. It's exciting. Um, The simple analogies have been very powerful, I know. Um, And so hopefully we can keep doing that if the video brought you value give it a like subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet leave us a comment below with your thoughts on the episode we'd love to hear from you and share the content with other people that you feel like this could profoundly influence and help so that would be great Dude, do a thumb do a thumbnail this is a thumbnail for the video and that's that's all, fam. That's all. Thank you, infinite love for you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Infinite
2: and love. uh yeah, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you, Kamala. Thank you, Alice. Love you guys. Bye,
1: we will keep doing more. We'll keep doing.